I ain't gonna lie, G. We went to church on that one. Mr. Waterford, Mr. Waterford. Mr. Waterford. Y'all need to go get y'all cars now. And I'm not talking about no regular, regular Ford Focuses. Go get you a Lamborghini, a Bentley. Go get you a Rolls Royce, but do not get a Maserati. But I tell you, go get the Ford Focuses as well. He's got whatever you need, literally whatever you need. Got Phil it. can do it. You know what I'm saying? This is one of the best quote unquote conversations I think we've had in the platform i'm just saying that right now so you guys have a good one to go listen to facts say no more we out here like this hands up peace hands out. up peace bye out. bye i feel like you get a lot of those oh, that's a lot a lot I of calls i feel like you're a big problem solver phil well no it's, you know. do a lot of people call you for their problems if you want to put your mic closer just a little bit more Tell me where. Right, right, right. Let's okay. be silent. Right, yeah. right. Yep. Did you say that though? Um, I get my share, fair share of you know people that need me to help sort out some things. And, yeah. You know. I feel like that's that, that's a good good that's a good problem to have to solve other people's problems. That's, I mean, that means you're a good person in their life. I feel like yeah. that makes sense. It does, you know, growing up, my father would always tell me some things that. At the time, it didn't have a whole lot of meaning, but now it never fails. And he would always say stuff like, you know, if you ever want to solve your problems, help somebody else solve theirs. I was like, how the hell is that going to work? Mm. I got problems, I'm going to help this motherfucker. So I would do it, and for whatever <laughs> it's worth, I don't know if there, you know, there's all kind of laws. There's outlaws, in laws, there's bylaws, there's spiritual laws. But when you do that, every time you do it, you mark my words, you try it. Every time you do it, and when you release that, whatever you got going on, and you go to extend that to someone else, all of a sudden, your problems will dissipate. Either that or mm. when you go back to what your problem, you don't even remember what it was because maybe it wasn't really that big of a deal. Wow, yeah. But there's some type of, uh, I don't know what it is, man, but yeah, mm. it works. It never fails me, and I could never really understand that. Has, have, has, have you had battles through that, though, being that you were taught that, like you want to go the opposite way as well? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, many years ago, um, I guess it all started, you know, so many people, we spend so much time feeding the flesh, doing what looks good and feels good. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That has its place. Mm -hmm. But you have two realms. You have your physical and you have your spiritual. And if you if you don't eat for a week, how strong do you think you'd be? Mm -hmm. Very weak. Very, very true. Mm -hmm. Well, it's no different with your spirit. So if you're not feeding your spirit, mm -hmm. then, you know, you're, any road will take you there. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So I started, you know, is he quoting what line is it? Well, you know, <laughs> no, so I started spending a lot of time feeding the spirit, and once I started doing that, man, that's when I started living. Mm. I mean, I wake up in the morning with expectations that great things are going to happen every day. Something off the hook happens. It's wow. amazing, and I get another opportunity tomorrow if God gives me that opportunity to wake up. Mm. So it's it's uh, it's an amazing way to live, a way a way to think. Um, you know, worrying doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles; it takes away today's peace. And typically the stuff that we worry about, it never happens. So, And we're not equipped as humans to worry. So all you can do is show up and do the very best you can. Yes. When you take that out of the equation, that's when you start living. You reverse the aging process. I mean, I'm 58 years old. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still balling with guys that are half my age and, and getting them, putting in work. And I've seen this. it. I've seen it. So it's it's like I really believe that what I'm telling you is no, real. That's like real. It's, yes, it's, sir. It's not really an unkept secret. You know, nobody's ever asked me. But now I'm going to tell you. No, because I remember if, being at a young age. Remember, I remember being at a young age, like I would stress the little things. And I started seeing gray hair. And I was like, that's not how it's supposed to be, you know? You know what I mean? Like you, you take the stress out of it and just look at it for what it is. You start living a little differently. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt. So. What is it that you you say you're actively uh, working on your spiritual, spiritually, mm -hmm. 
or your spirit? How what is that? Is it through church or is it through prayer? What what are you no, doing? No, you know, church to me is kind of like uh, people ask me what my denom what's the word denomination is, and mm -hmm. I, I really can't even explain that. I just know that I have a relationship and that it's really strong. I get spiritual downloads all the time, mm -hmm. and the best part about it is, you know, when I'm given a spiritual download, we have free choice, free will, so to speak. I think God's gift to us is life. What we do with our life is our gift back to God, nope. but he gives us free will. So we can make choices. Good choices is always going to be a reward. Bad choices is going to be consequences. And I just really want to make the best choices and be the best version of myself that I could possibly be. Wow. When did you start realizing you know, that the spiritual downloads were happening? Because like, like, what is a spiritual download? Like, and how aware do you have to be with yourself to be aware of that? That makes sense? Yeah. I, well, I've had a sequence of uh, things that have happened. And I think the first thing probably happened back in 2009. And I should have brought it with me because, you know, I, I don't put sauce on anything. Okay. Matter of fact, I probably understate what it really is. And then you, there's video footage and there's a, and I believe if you ever want to give. You were really doing some shit in that no, video. No, no, check this out. But I really <laughs> believe that if you ever want to give God the glory, you have to have a story. Yes. And he keeps giving me stories that I can articulate because I was a part of it. Like mm. I, had, I was given the greatest gift and that's to be a part of something special that's bigger than myself. It's bigger than anything I've ever done in life. Mm -hmm. And so years ago, I'll never forget, I was in I, think I was in Livermore, California. I was dropping off a car to somebody. I was waiting for him, and this gentleman was speaking, and he was talking about a 3 a.m. prayer. I didn't know what that was. and you know, But basically, he kept it real simple. He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, nobody was loaning any money back in 2008, 2009. It was, the economy was kind of upside down. Yes. And he said that um, he was trying to buy some real estate, but the banks weren't loaning any money. Everything was real tight. So he said he did the 3 a.m. prayer. You get on your knees and you just pray and you talk to God in layman's terms. He knows who he is. He's the same God that, you know, was here for, for, for right. forever. Yes. And then you, you basically, whatever's on your heart, you just share it with him. Mm. And, but then when you're done, you get very specific and you tell him whatever it is that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, you write it down. When you write it down, that becomes a manifest of what you're looking for. Put it in a special place, go back to sleep. When you wake up the next morning, it's already going to be working its way out. So I heard that. And, you know, I'm kind of a good dude, so I don't have any hidden agendas. So I'm going to do that. So I wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning. Next thing you know, um, you know, I get on my knees. I'm talking to God. And then I got really, it was really emotional for me because I'm realizing I'm talking to the creator of the universe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about theology. I'm not that guy. I'm not a Bible thumper. I don't know. There's things I don't know. Yes. And But every time I do something, people say, well, you know, that's the reason why your success or you have this luck is because, you know, when you do something with a cheerful heart, with no expectation of getting anything back, mm. that's called prosperity. So there's a reason why, you know, you're blessed tenfold. And that's why this, because... Winning is a habit, so is losing. I'm kind of accustomed to winning. So if I do something, I'm going to win. Yes. And it's not that I'm special or I'm better than anybody else, but I'm willing to put in the work, and I want to do the right thing at the end of the day. Yes. And there's some kind of energy that goes along with that. But getting back to my story, I apologize, my ADD no, kicks in. Don't apologize. I, I, we I'm, need I'm, all this. We need like all a, of this, please. Because it all go, it literally meshes into one. It's like yeah. we talk about it, and it's like I always say I have the non-context version of like meshing, but it's like, you know, like it all just goes hand in hand, yeah. everything you're saying. yeah. yeah. So uh, during this process, I'm talking to God and I'm, and, you know, I'm remembering like, you know, I, my theology is, I, mean, I watched the Ten Commandments as a kid. I remember the Red Sea part and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, man, that's the same God that parted the Red Sea and all these wonderful things that, you know, that I've heard about. And I was just, I, like, I didn't want to see, I was fearful. Like, I, I didn't want to, like, believe or see who, who I was really talking to. It was very right. emotional for me. <laughs> but then I, was, I got very specific because I tried to stay on point. And so I asked God for peace of mind. 
I can do this. I've been doing this for years, you know, the automobile business thing. And but dealers around me were dropping like flies. Mm. And I'm one of the only dealers in California that I don't have a personal guarantee on my inventory. And basically what that means from a business perspective is if uh, I didn't personally guarantee my inventory. So I have a line of credit. A lot of the cars I own personally are, you know, uh, my, my company owns it. Yes, sir. But I don't have a my line. They can't go after me personally if these inventory disappears. Okay. So the advantage to that is, and what a lot of people were doing is they would sell the cars for 50 cents on the dollar, mm -hmm. then get all the cash and then they would bankrupt the company. And so they can't go after you personally. They can, they can go after your corporation. And that's but, where that little clause comes in that you're saying right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But I don't have a personal guarantee because first of all, they didn't think I was going to make it. They thought, you know, I'm from Chicago and mm -hmm. they're like, this guy ain't going to make it. So they thought they were going to recycle me. Mm -hmm. And that so they never changed the corporation. And then I had a really good attorney. I'm not that smart, but I had a good attorney say, hey, <laughs> God bless. You know, right. he's not going to sign a personal guarantee. And they're like, you know what? He ain't going to make it anyway. So they did their little deal. Interesting. Well, in the end, I mean, if I owe somebody something, I'm gonna give it to you. Like that's foul to me. Like, I mean, if I got to get a nine to five, I'm gonna pay you. Like that's just that's just what you're supposed to do. Yes, sir. And at the end of the day, I want to do the right thing. So, um, I knew I wasn't gonna do that. So I asked God for peace of mind, and then I wrote that down, and then I asked for enough working capital to get through these tough economic times because you know there was tumbleweed blowing around and like nobody was coming in the dealership, and I know I have, still have expenses. Yeah. So. I wrote it down, put it in a special place, went to sleep. The next morning I wake up, I get two visitors from Ford Motor Company. I never get visitors. Wow. And they came, you know, and they, you know, they were suited and booted, briefcases and stuff. And they're like, you know, Mr. Waterford, you've done a really good job. Your market share is really good. Your customer satisfaction is high. Wow. Um, and, you know, you've been marginally profitable. But right now we have too many Ford dealers in the country. Um, so basically what we want to do is we're going to ask some dealers, we're just going to take their franchise away. But with you, we want to give you a bunch of money if you want to ride off into the sunset. Oh, wow. So I thought about it for probably a <laughs> millisecond. And I said, well, you know, this little dealership has become the beacon of light for so many people. There's too many things that happen that are so divine that it doesn't really matter how much money you give me. I have no interest whatsoever in cashing out. Wow. And they were like, well, you know, if you get in trouble, we're not going to help you. And I was like... Motherfucker, first of all, what's your name? I don't even know you. Like, right. so, hey, no. who, I don't like, need what, you. Like, and so I said, now I'm, I'm gonna write this into the, you know, until the wheels fall off. I'm, I have no interest. All of a sudden, at that very moment, I have a, I haven't lost an employee in years. I mean, wow. we have medical, dental, vision, 401k profits. Nobody wants to leave. It's a pretty good place to work, if I don't say so myself. Nice. So, <laughs> Amen. One of the ladies in the office comes by. She comes by. She don't give a damn if Obama's in my office, of whoever it is, some dignitary. She walked in. I will never forget. She had her purse over her shoulder. She had her hair uh, glasses flipped up in her hair. She had a big gulp in her hand. She had a uh, and she had an envelope because excuse me, somebody just dropped this off. It looks like it might be important. So I was like, okay. Well, at this time, I didn't want to show any disrespect to the guys I was talking with, mm -hmm. but I was done. Like, we have nothing else to talk about. So I'm opening up the envelope and it said, I'll never forget. It said, Mr. Waterford. I read with particular interest all the things that you've done over the years uh, to you know, improve the quality of life of others, especially in our community. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, in particular, I have enclosed a, a, uh, an article that was in the newspaper about a little boy who had a rare form of cancer, and uh, you had an opportunity to become the man of the year and to raise money for him, but you did something really significant. So basically what happened is back in the day, wow. back, back in the day, we had, they challenged a lot of business professionals to see who could raise the most amount of money uh, for leukemia. Well, I blew everybody away. I mean, I, it's, it's, <laughs> I know a lot of different people and yeah. I kept looking at this kid who was a poster child for leukemia. So I said, you know what? Every day it was, he was my motivation. That's why I did this. Mm -hmm. So 
I think I raised 30 grand or something, which was a lot of money, you know, 20 Especially years back ago. Back then, yeah, 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 sure. So, um, no, actually 30 grand. So, but uh, uh, raised all this money um, and I told my family, I'm going to be the man of the year. I get to get my picture on a billboard. And they're like, we don't see a big ass head on a billboard. <laughs> Let somebody else win. And it was yeah. the first time in my life where humility stepped in, where I said, you know what? That's kind of cool. I'm going to let somebody else turn the money in. I'm going to wait till they announce the winner. And then I'm going to turn my money in. But like, I already know that like mm, yeah. I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I kept that, you know, in the forefront of my mind. But I said, the reason why I made, I raised all this money is for this kid. So I got my family together and I said, hey, what could we do to, that could be something that would be fun for him. And apparently he liked dirt bikes or something like that. So my sons, I have four sons, mm-hmm. um, but my two oldest at the time they were young, we went over to Malat's Honda, Yamaha Honda, and we bought him a brand new dirt bike. Wow. My kids didn't even have one. Wow. So we got him this brand new dirt bike. We turned in the money. Uh, they had already announced the winner, but then we had something special. This kid had a little tuxedo on. We, we bring the dirt bike over, and he saw it, and like he lost his mind. He couldn't believe it. Well, I didn't know what happened to him. I mean, that was it. I was done. Yeah. Well, come to find out, the article went on to say that this kid went into remission. Uh, he's got kids of his own now. Wow. And he kept saying that, uh, you know, it was through the grace of God that he made it through. He had some really great doctors. But then he made mention there was this Ford dealer, this guy in Manteca, California. And his kid, they wow. got me this dirt bike. He goes, let me tell you what that dirt bike did. That gave me something to look forward to, something to hope for. Mm. And he said, I wrote the wheels off that damn thing. As a matter of <laughs> fact, he said, I would ride it and I would take my chemo and my radiation, but then I would still ride it. Mm. And my parents said, hey, you got to calm down. Man, all I, was, all I could think about was riding that dirt bike. Wow. Then Same he said, spirit. I would put it in my room at the end of the night. Night, and they was like, get that damn thing out of here. It's got gas in it. Go put it in the garage. <laughs> and so he's, uh, but he would just look at it and turn the, turn the light on at night. And, you know, it had, it had a light on it itself. And mm-hmm. finally, uh, uh, you know, I had no idea that it had that kind of impact. Well, anyway, in the letter, it said, enclosed is a cashier's check. It's unencumbered. You can do whatever you want with it. Wow. Now, I don't know what unencumbered means, but I, I know what it is now. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what, what that, that means. Okay. <laughs> that means there's no loan attached. It's a gift. Wow. So then I, I look at it, and man, I should have brought it with me. It's in, it's, it's in a Bible. I got a lot of really cool things that I've, I retained it, and I never cashed it. You retained it in your Bible? Yes. Never right. cashed it? Nice. Yeah, never cashed it. Well, anyway, I look at it. It's dated December 17th, 2009. I prayed on this on uh, that, mm. that, that Friday, night, that morning, yep. and it's a cashier's check made payable to me, Phil Waterford, that's me, <laughs> for $200,000. Wow. And it was gifted to me by somebody who lives in the greater uh, Manteca area who just, you know, who's well capitalized and said, hey, you know what, um, if this guy's in trouble, I'm going to make sure that he can keep it going. Wow. Let me tell you what that did for me. It wasn't so much the money. I mean, that has its place. Correct. But it was the fact that I asked for something and I received it. So everybody I've shared this story to, you got to be careful for what you ask for. You might get it. Right. Oh, my God. Then what you going to do? That's oh, my so, God. So then what I did is I got everybody in my dealership who gets a paycheck from me. We had 72 employees at the time. Mm-hmm. We all came in the showroom. They thought, oh, man, it's about to go down. Like, people are about to get laid off. We're about to make some crazy announcement. I said, hey, check this out. I said, you're getting a raise. You're getting a raise. You're not getting a raise, but you're getting a raise. <laughs> yeah. I just kept going down the room. Yep. And it was, and, it was, and this was like the worst part of the economy we would wow. ever been through. And then we all held hands and we prayed together for the first time. And our prayer was that anybody who comes in this dealership, we pray they get a good deal and we pray they get a fair price. And then we pray that all of our needs are met. And I got to tell you something. Ever since that day, hmm. and if we, I can show you a chart. 
our business is it keeps going like this. And I ask God to keep a hedge of protection around, you know, my family, myself, the people I work with, the people that patronize our business. Right. And we were in the small, we won the small business of the year for the state of California. They've never given it to an automobile dealer. Wow. Uh, we were inducted into the Hall of Fame for Manteca, Lathrop, and French Camp for improving the quality of life of others. We're in Black Enterprise Magazine in the top 100 black businesses in the world. World. I think we were number 23. But I don't really look at the list all the time. World, but we're, we're, we're getting it done. We're getting it done. We're getting it done. But it's really through the grace of God. I mean, I'm not that smart, but we've been so blessed. And mm -hmm. so from that point on, um, you know, that, that kind of... The power of prayer, but then like one thing I pulled to, bro, just the power of writing it down. Like me and Emil talk about it all the time. Like that's write it down. You know what I mean? Look at it. Feel it. Put it on paper and see it. And then just the thought of even asking for it. Make sure you're careful what you're asking for, too. Yeah. You just might get it. You might yeah. just get yeah. it. I really want to take a moment real quick just to reflect on uh, a little bit further than 2009. Mm -hmm. What was what was it like for you, childhood? You said Chicago. You know, I feel like the mindset that you have now, I feel like in my mind, wasn't always applied. I feel like you instilled a little bit more what you needed to uh what you needed to work on. So what was it like for you growing up? Let's just say oh, young man. level, teenage level, and how we how do we even get to who we are Straight now? Straight knucklehead. That's me. Really? No, I you know, I was just I was just one of those kids who was probably misunderstood. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, I was uh I was kinda out there. You know, I have three brothers and a sister and um they all went to to college and you know, they, they did really well in life. My oldest brother was the head of the Secret Service. But back in the day, my dad we used to drive from Chicago to California every year. And he would always say that people spend more time planning vacations than they do their own lives. So he challenged us as young men. And he would say, what are you going to do and how are you going to get there? So we used to drive from Chicago to California. It took four days. And during that trip, I used to hate it. But when I reflect back, we were planning our lives and didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. Because he would say we had to give these open-ended presentations of what we were going to do and how we were going to get there. Hell, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't give a damn. But my brother, my oldest brother, who paved the way for the rest of us, he always said he was going to be FBI or Secret Service. I didn't know what the hell that was. I didn't really give a damn. My other brother said he was going to be a pilot in the day and a doctor at night. And I said, okay, that's cool, but that's not what I want to do. Then my other brother said he was wow. going to be a basketball player in the day and a doctor at night. And I remember asking my mom, I said, you can do that? She goes, you can do anything you put your mind to. And then I said I was going to play pro football and create cars that were on land and water and called the Waterford, which is synonymous with our last name. Wow. So my oldest brother, Mark, um, was U.S. Customs. Graduate college from college, U.S. Customs, then it became Secret Service. He's the only guy in the history of the United States. He's been with Reagan, Bush, Clinton, and George W. So he's and he's got some stories, man. I'm getting chills. He, yeah, it's I crazy. can't believe it. I believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, you know, he made some good choices, and you know, behavior is learned and imitated. So then my next brother Tony, he went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. um, Flying and a, pilot. Yeah, yes, and doing extremely well. My brother African American Randy, pilot. Yes. He went to Northwestern, then he went to Stanford Medical School. He's wow. a cardiovascular surgeon, and he uh, is totally amazing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, I did what I needed to do and was in school and um, decided I was a great athlete growing up, but I'm kind of well-preserved because I kind of gave that up early. <laughs> um, but I, I, now I can do it again. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but what's cool is... Um, uh, you know, had had opportunities and, you know, wound up getting uh, involved in the automobile industry. And the thing that separated me from everybody else is I was willing to do the things that the majority of the people weren't willing to do. It wasn't that they weren't able, they just weren't willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, made a lot of money in spite of myself. I worked in detail first. So I can detail a car. I can color sand. Mm. So I have an eye where, where I can see things that a lot of people don't really recognize. Like, for instance, even the inside of a wheel of a car. We'll take a, If we take a car in on trade and we're doing a recondition on a car, we'll take the wheel and tire off. We'll polish the inside of the rim before we put it back on the car. And that way, once the tire is dressed, when you look at the car, the tires, everything looks like it's brand new, mm -hmm. everything about it. So there's a, there's a science detail. to that, you know, mm -hmm. just to, to reconditioning a car and restoring, you know, the look of a car. So um, uh, did really well indeed. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So then I became an entry-level salesperson, was willing to do the things that the majority of the people weren't willing to do, as I mentioned. Excellent. Became one of the top salespeople in the country for Toyota. And um, then I had an opportunity to get involved in what they call a dealer training program, where Ford Motor Company interviewed 60 applicants. They selected five to be a part of a national dealer training program. I was one of the five they selected. Went through NADA Dealer Candidate Academy. Um, graduated from that, was looking for a viable opportunity. Mm. Wanted to stay in the Chicago metro area because I could hit the ground running and, you know, uh, surround myself with a good management team, people that I knew, mm -hmm. but then wound up looking out west, came out to the greater Manteca area and thought the demographics were pretty good. Um, was you know, it? I, I thought it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was kind of an interesting story. Though. When I first came to Cali, um, just to look, it was six below zero in Chicago. So they said, hey, we're going to fly you. We're going to pay you to go look at some dealership opportunities out west. So I went to L.A. first, and I really didn't want to live in L.A. I just mm -hmm. That wasn't the life that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a little vacation for me. I didn't even wear a tie. I didn't really give a damn. So I get there, and I'm looking around. Hey, this is cool, whatever. So then they say, hey, we have some more opportunities there in northern California. I go, there's no way I'm moving to northern California. Mm -hmm. So I called home and said, hey, what's the weather like? And my wife says, hey, it's... Uh, it warmed up. It was like 12 degrees. I was like, oh, hell no. I'll be, I'll be back in a couple more years. <laughs> so I, I go to, I think, Danville. That's where oh, the headquarters man. were at the time. And we're starting to drive through. I did this interview. Didn't really care if I got it. I was so relaxed, which probably helped. Driving through the Altamont Pass. And I told the dude, man, stop the car. Stop the car. And he's like, well, everything okay? I got out. My eyes had never seen anything so beautiful. I saw those rolling hills and those windmills. Mm. I'm from Chicago. I don't see that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you see? Yeah. So yeah. like, it was amazing to me. Wow. And then you know, we went through the journey, saw the dealership, thought the demographics were good. Um, but fortunately, because it was a uh, dealership that was owned with a father, passed the torch to the son. He wanted to look like, act like, be like, but really didn't put it in any. Mm -hmm. Sweat equity. Yeah. He wound up losing the store. So Ford Motor Company bought the store probably 40 years ago. Mm. And then they uh, started recycling candidates. Wow. They had probably five or six people that were there before me, but they couldn't make it work. And so um, they gave me an opportunity, but yeah. we put together a forecast first. Mm. And the forecast for, was for us to lose money. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Like I mentioned before, winning is a habit, so is losing. Mm. I'm accustomed to winning. I'm not going to lose. If mm. I do anything, I'm going to win. This is so you know. But then I thought, I'm on my team. no, well, check this out. So, but then one of the functions of making money is just reducing expenses. Mm. 
So I knew the expenses were here, but they were generating this amount. So I got to get the expenses to go below the amount of money that they're bringing in. Mm -hmm. And to me, that wasn't that hard because a lot of the expenses we have were walking around the people. So I started making business decisions and, you know, interviewing people. And so they put together a forecast for us to lose money. And I'm like, I wasn't comfortable with that. But they're like, look, we know what we're doing. You're going to lose money. No, we're not. Mm. Well, the, the advantage that I had is because they thought we were going to lose money, because I beat the forecast by so much, because we made so much more than what the forecast was, they had to pay me a bonus. Well, guess <laughs> wow. what? The bonus was more money than what my investment was supposed to be. Wow. So I used their money as my down payment, and then I retired their interest in 39 months. So it's crazy. I mean, it was, that's, that's mine ret- too. What? Are you, what? And what age is this, if I can ask? I was the youngest Ford dealer in the country. I was 29. Nice. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, oh, my God. Yeah. To touch on the demographic of, what, of like, okay, the demographic like, looks good here. What were you looking for in specific? Like, what are those characteristics of being able to go open a Ford dealership in that area? Well, I just thought that, you know, I thought that the greater Manteca area was the, was the, uh, how do I say this? was the epicenter of everything because you can get to Sacramento quickly. You can mm-hmm. get to the Bay quickly. It was like, it was nice, the centrally location of it. Everything was affordable. Mm-hmm. You can buy a home here. A lot of people were commuting. They, they worked in the Bay, but they lived in the greater Manteca area. So mm-hmm. I thought, this is, this is good. There's growth. Anytime mm-hmm. there's growth, then you should consider, you know, uh, it's location, location, location. It's going to grow. And I had no hidden, hidden agenda. I wanted to do the right thing at the end of the day. But I was concerned because the wholly owned period that they gave me is what they called it, mm-hmm. is that if I couldn't acclimate to the area and the area couldn't acclimate to me, well, guess what? I don't have to put my investment as I can keep it and then right off into the sunset. This is true. So there was no risk involved for me initially. And, you know, I got a tan year around. I didn't know if somebody was going to be like, hey, this guy, there's going to be some, right. some problems. I'll wake right. up one morning, there's going to be a burning cross in my driveway. Hell, I, I didn't know. know. I'm yeah, from Chicago. You know. mm-hmm. So, you know, but it, it all worked out. And, yeah, it was wow. a good blessing. So. And I feel like Manteca is still growing, bro. I feel like there's so much potential in Manteca still. Oh, mm-hmm. it really is. Like, like, just driving around in there. Well, what did you do when you first got you? I mean, for that, I mean, I guess you you could say you maybe invested it. But what would you say um, and retired off the interest? But uh, what would you uh, say you did with your first big check? Wow, it's uh, it's still in the bank. <laughs> it's still yeah. in the bank. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, you know, I I it's. Uh, I'm an interesting guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, really? I, to, obviously, too much is given, much is expected, and to me, it's more. It's. I'd rather give than receive. Mm. And um, for instance, we do a free Christmas Eve breakfast. We get about 4,000 people that show up for this event. Every year we do it. There's a line outside the door going around the corner. Every kid gets an age-appropriate toy, a chance to meet Santa, and an incredible meal. Wow. And um, then we also have two semi-trucks pull up. Every family gets a 40-pound bag of groceries and a 40-pound bag of fresh produce. We try to bridge the gap between Christmas and the New Year because a lot of families suffer from food insecurities, and I'm painfully aware of that, being from where I'm from. So uh, it's always a great time out. And I'll never forget, probably 10 years ago, 11 years ago, was probably the most... Um, I mean, every year there's always something. There's a story within the story. But at that time, I was managing a lot of... Um, you know, uh, major R&B recording artist. I was, uh, you know, involved with player development for some NBA teams. I was traveling a lot. And in terms of my relationship with my wife, we were going through it. And I was done. Like, nobody knew it, but I was done. But my fidelity wasn't in question, but it was about to be. Yes, that. Yes, and sir. I literally got on my knees and I asked God to help me figure it out. I didn't want to have a wife and a girlfriend. Mm. I mean, that's that's not what I, that's not who I am. Yeah. So I asked God to help me figure this shit out. But we were done. Like, there was nothing going on at home but the rent. We were done. <laughs> yes, sir. And I'll never forget, 
11 years, 10 years ago, we had our Christmas Eve breakfast. His family shows up. They had their faces pushed up against the window. We had just served our community. It was a beautiful event. And I was tired. My back was killing me. And these family shows up and they asked if we had any more food. I said, oh shit, we had enough food to feed a small country. So I said, man, let them in. You know what? I'm gonna break bread with them, but I'm gonna do it my style. I'm gonna get my Lowry's out. I'm gonna hook it up, do all the stuff I want. Yep. But we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna break bread together. And I kept saying, what took you guys so long to get here? Mm-hmm. And they kept saying their car broke down. I said, what kind of car do you have? It happened to be a Ford Bronco. But at the time I hadn't seen a Bronco since OJ was on a little speed chase. <laughs> <years ago. laughs> so I go look at this damn thing. It wasn't roadworthy at all. So. My office manager is kind of afraid afraid of me because she knows I don't give a damn about money. I use it for its intended use, but it's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have that counts. So I asked her, I said, hey, where's our shuttle at to take customers home? She's like, well, we didn't use it. She goes, what do you get ready to do? Well, they needed <laughs> the car more than we did. It was a brand new van. So I wound up gifting, gifting it to this van. No She's like, way. who the hell does that? Mm. How are we going to do the DMV? I go, I ain't worried about all that. I go, this, they're good. Let's, we, we gifted the van to them. So I said, you know, my kids may miss a few essential meals, but I think we're going to be all right. I'm not really tripping on it. <laughs> right. So a few days later, I called to check That's on awesome. everybody, and the grandmother told me that the baby got bit by something. And I was like, by what? She was like, I don't know, maybe a spider. I said, well, what did the doctor say? She goes, well, we don't have insurance. I said, you can go to any emergency room in America. I said, when did this happen? She said, two days ago. Mm-hmm. I said, look, you meet me at the hospital right now. I'll meet you there. Wow. I rushed to get there. They had to do a conscious sedation. She had so much poison in her body, she could have died. Oh, wow. my God. So the next day when I came home, I told my family, hey, when I come back to m- when I come home tonight, I'm going to bring a baby with me. And they're like, like a puppy? <laughs> and I was like, no, like a kid. A and they're like, oh, shit. Uh-huh. They thought, you know, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. I go, look, I'm going to need you out of with me anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Because as a middle-aged guy, I can't go somewhere and say, I'm going to take a kid with me. I'm right. like a creep. Like, who does that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to need your support so they see that we have a family. So um, they came with me, and I was extremely persistent. The grandmother, when I originally said, hey, look, I just want to nurse this baby back to get help. She goes, you can't take my baby. That's my baby. Mm-hmm. I said, look, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about her health, welfare, and safety. Mm-hmm. So I was very persistent. And then she said, are you sure she wouldn't be a hardship? I said, absolutely not. She gave me a dirty blanket. One sock. I mean, we took her home, and that's where the magic started. Wow. Unfortunately, all of her fingernails were starting to fall off. Her stomach was swollen. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Right. It was mm-hmm. malnutrition because before we got her, her diet was fast food that was left over, yeah. soda out of a bottle, and candy. But then it was like seeing a flower that was withering away to nothing, just blossoming into this beautiful human being of a child. And so a lot of time had gone by, and she's just thriving in every respect. And we're creatures of habit. You know, we go to bed fairly early. We get up early. We, we don't miss any essential meals and mm-hmm. you know then I say well hey we got the room we want to get in our own room together and you know just doing what a dad does with a daughter right. and um, then you know I have a walk-in closet that looks like a mini Neiman Marcus or Nordstrom or something but I, I have it's sons life flakes so I got I got four sons they're pretty enough they could be girls but I never had a daughter before <laughs> He said it, not us. No, that's what he's real talk. Hey, no, but I'm, I'm, have you seen these niggas? Right? Like green eyes and pretty hair and stuff. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I, so I wound up like, I didn't give a damn what it cost. Was for a girl, like the Uggs and the little Otter style. Like, she was laced up. Yeah. But, but she was thriving. So then I was like, I got to get in touch with the grandmother. I'm so happy and so proud of, of how she's well she's doing. Finally, I got in touch with her. 
She comes to the crib. It was amazing. It was crazy. First of all, I don't apologize for success. I got a crib that's about 10,000 square feet. There's a guest house behind it. It's, it's off the hook. I don't I mean, apologize for success. I don't. Yeah. Because I work it. hard. You I do, do the right thing. You, you know do. what I'm saying? Like, you shouldn't. You're supposed to. Like, everybody's supposed to prosper. Right. So she comes by. She's looking all around everything. Like, God damn, they live like this. Because <laughs> she so, didn't know where you were taking no, the baby. No, she had no yeah. idea. She mm -hmm. had no idea. But then she sees her and she starts sizing her up. You know how girls look at each other all catty? She's doing this to a baby, basically. Wow. <laughs> and so I knew it was, was going to be a problem. So. Uh, Oh, man. She said she wanted to take her to lunch. And I go, well, we have a chef. Like, what do you want? And so my wife said, look, calm down. That's still her family. Mm -hmm. And so she took her, and she never brought her back. Mm. It was one of the worst days of my life. Mm. I mean, I went through it. Then her other daughter called me and said, hey, she's not bringing her back. The welfare department came to where they were living. They found out she's not there anymore. They're going to cut her benefits. I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. I got in front of a judge in Stanislaus County. I explained everything that was going on. Do you know that they granted me temporary custody in 48 hours? Wow. I'm not a blood relative. At all. At all. He had to be a blood yeah. relative. That's what I thought. I got her back. Wow. And was, I did some gangster shit. Cause I'm from Chicago. <laughs> yes, so don't, sir. don't let the little smooth taste fool you. I still got some shit in yes, so I did what I had to do. I got her back. And then we had to go to court. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do at court? Like, how am I going to, you know, because we wanted full custody of her. We wanted to take her in. But then her biological mother's incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, okay. before I do anything, I'm going to go visit her. So I had to fly to Vegas, go to Pahrump, Nevada. Pahrump. I get in front of uh, this high maximum security uh, correctional facility. I get inside, and they wouldn't even let me go in the same room with her. I had to look at her through a monitor, not even through a window, you know what I'm saying, like a monitor, and wow. I'm talking to her. Just asked her a lot of open-ended questions. And, and I'm going to tell you something. We all make mistakes, and only God can judge. And, you know, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. So, like, I'm not going to pass judgment on anybody. Unfortunately, she did some really bad things, and so she's incarcerated. But I wanted her to know that, who I am. And I want to know a little bit about her DNA because, you know, that's my daughter. Like, mm -hmm. like, like I love her with everything I got. I would literally die for her. Wow. Like, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my heart right yes, there. Sir. I wow. love my boys, but my daughter, yes, sir. that's some, that's some next level shit right there. So I wound up, um, so, you know, I, I told her what my intentions were. So apparently this is kind of deep too. I almost forgot about this, but she goes back and she was talking to some of the other inmates and uh, something happened where she was kind of sharing that, you know, hey, I met this guy and, you know, and he seems like he's, he would be perfect for my daughter. And, you know, my mom, she's um, exploiting the kids, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And and um, like and so they go, well, what's this guy's name? Somehow she mentioned my last name. Mm. Another inmate who was in there said, wait, wait, you're not talking about Phil Waterford, are you? Wow. And I was like, she was telling me the story. And <laughs> right. I was like, apparently yeah, she knew me through some, some goodwill that we had done. And she was like, let me tell you something. People were solid. That's legit. I was like, your daughter basically hit the jackpot. She won the lotto. Speaking on you. They're, yeah, they're yeah, speaking yeah, on yeah. you. And it was through the grace of God. Because like, how am I, what are the odds of something like that happening? Right. I don't mm -hmm. really believe in coincidences. I mean, things are supposed to happen. I think sometimes when we're going through a tough time, God's either working in us or he's allowing us to do work in someone else. But wherever we're at is where we're supposed to be. Mm. So enjoy it. And know that when you're going through shit, it's only temporary. Mm. Nothing lasts forever. You're mm. flying on an airplane. The shit is turbulent as hell. Then it smooths out. You land. Uh, you know, it's raining crazy in the cloudy skies. The sun's going to shine again. Mm, so everything we go through is temporary. So we just chill out. We, you, you're going you're gonna to get through this. Right. So um, so that happens, and that was really divine. So she writes this beautiful letter to me. And um, so then I said, well, I got to get an attorney. Well, I didn't have time to get an attorney because the court date was so soon. So I got a paralegal, and they were like, Mr. Waterford, you can articulate 
everything that's going on. This is all you need. Just go in there. So I put on. I got some suits. Though, you played you. lawyer. You I, got, I had a little briefcase with nothing. That's what I'm talking nothing about. In it. I was <laughs> so I get in front of the court. Sorry. And I'm, I'm talking to the judge, and you know, I just, I, I was very clear. Like I just wanted to love the Lord, make good choices, and be self-sufficient. And I also want her to know that people only treat you the way that you allow them to. And nobody's going to disrespect this little girl. Yes. And so, like, I'm telling him, sir, all of a sudden, the grandmother shows up. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Nah. She shows up in the court, but she made it easy for me. She's ignorant as hell. Okay. Came in there, talking on her cell phone, drinking a, a drink or something. I'm like, and it, she just walked in very ignorant. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be real with it. Mm-hmm. And I thought the judge, I thought the bailiff was going to tackle her. And then he found out who she would tell her, you know, sit your ass down or whatever. <laughs> so she sits down. Next thing you know, um, her phone rings. Yeah, girl, I'm up here in court. And I'm like, oh my, it was embarrassment to the court. Like, wow. you, you don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. you want to win something, just be polite, be nice. Mm-hmm. And the judge, so then she gets into it with the judge and she says, look, all I care about is I want to see my granddaughter. And the judge says, you know, hold up, hold up. This little girl has never been through the system before. He took his glasses off. He says, we're not doing this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a ruling right now. I'm granting Mr. Waterford permanent custody until mm-hmm. she's 18 years old. I almost fell out my damn chair. Whoa. So since then, we've adopted her. She has my last, she looks more like me than my boy. <laughs> God. You would say there is no way in hell that ain't your daughter. Yeah. That's my daughter. That's my heart. That's my love. That's oh, my heart. That's Phil, awesome. I'm not going to lie. I low key, I, I went through so many ghost goosebumps chills through this whole entire thing right now. But like, <laughs> I really feel for that. I really feel for that because there's in like, you're for sure a one of one. Like, the, everything that you do. And I just want to capitalize off of that. I'm sorry to cut you off by saying this, but I just wanted to say like, that's that needs to be highlighted. You know, I'm pretty sure you you have you've received several pats on the backs. I know she appreciates it, but like my dad's adopted. You know what I'm saying? So like for you to be able to do that and actually, you know, fight for her injustice that was going on and then have it work out through the grace of God, because in my mind, that's what really did happen. Yeah. I, it's really it's, it's I'm lost for words I'm speechless because you you don't have no blood with this with her with your daughter you know what I mean so nah, it's, I mean, it, I'm, I'm speechless in the moment he didn't need to go do what he had, what he did at all well you know and part of the big picture is my wife and I actually like each other again we figured this shit out because uh, our focus wasn't about what are you doing or what are doing or the indifference that we had it was about our daughter yes so she brought us together only the way that God can. Shh. And we like we travel together, we do shit together. We're like that's my heart. Like wow. I love my wife. I want. I can't wait to go home and see her again. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but my daughter helped. Cre- and people look at her and say, "Man, she's so blessed." So you got to see her uh, passport. She's been everywhere, mm. and you know, and and it's it's. Not so much that she's blessed. I think we're the ones that really got blessed mm. because she kept our family together. And that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's about family. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's... Uh, when When did you realize, like, what was important to you? Like, I know, like, through all of this, like, it all coincides into one. Like, when did you realize that for yourself? Like, what I do this for every day? There's There's been a sequence of events that have happened. I mean, you know, we do a... Um, at the dealership, we do a... Uh, we have the largest Memorial Day celebration of its kind on the West Coast, honoring those who have served and remembering those who have fallen. Wow. And um, I've had some really, really cool things happen. Every year we try to give two brand new cars away to two war heroes and Army veterans for their sacrifice and service. That's a whole See, other story. Wow. Highlighted, bro. It, it, it's so just much crazy, stuff going but, on in the community. Yeah, but, like, you know, and then when we see a veteran, like, we got to realize that they fought for freedoms that we enjoy every day. Like, this shit ain't free. We wake mm-hmm. up in the morning without the threat of this happening or the threat of that happening. It's because somebody was willing to to make sacrifices. Some made the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their lives right. so that we can have the freedoms that we enjoy every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's really important to me. Because when I woke I used to think of Memorial Day as a start of summer, going to the lake, going to a barbecue. That's the farthest thing what it is. It's the opportunity to honor those who have served and remember those who have fallen. Mm-hmm. So whatever you do, I'm not saying, 
you know, you can't enjoy the, the three-day weekend or whatever it is around Memorial Day, but take some time to either reflect or do something special. When you see a veteran, thank him for his sacrifice and service. Mm -hmm. So many of our, you know, uh, service members, men and women, came home to an ungrateful nation, especially the Vietnam War, which yeah. is very unpopular. So, you know, there's things that... that uh, so I'm trying to remember the question, but I just happen to think about that because it's not, it's never about me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm constantly trying to do things that improve the quality of life of others. And we're always planting seeds. Mm -hmm. I think when you plant a seed, there's always going to be a harvest. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a bad harvest because we do dumb shit. But then sometimes it's, the harvest is, is, is an amazing. My harvest is so abundant. Like people reach out to me and they... We impacted their lives years ago and, and then years before that. And the ball's going through the hoop. Every time I shoot, it's going through the hoop. Hmm. It, it's just crazy. And I'll never forget, speaking of that, my brother, I have four brothers. My brother, Randy, who's a cardiovascular surgeon, uh, has done amazing in life, has two daughters. They're both valedictorians of their class. He married a, a pediatrician. They're from Hawaii. Uh, they live in Hawaii now. But uh, one of them goes to Stanford. The other one goes to uh, Vanderbilt, his daughters. But when we were kids, my brother was like Steph Curry. This dude could shoot the lights out. Okay. Little light-skinned dude. You didn't know, where, what is he? Is he white? Is he black? He couldn't really tell. Real light-skinned dude. Real, okay. And kind of thin. I was like that dude where people were kind of scared of me. But I was a, I was scared of them. But yeah. they didn't know that. Uh, so okay. my dad always told us, because we grew up in a really financially challenged environment. I mean, you know, so growing up. When we played basketball, the best hoops were across the tracks. Mm. But if you go across the tracks, you might die. Like people get killed all the time. And it was just a real high crime and a lot of crazy stuff going on. But they had the, they had a hoop there that everybody went to. It's kind of like a Rucker Park. Yeah. And that's where you go if you want to get good. Because we dominated our little market where mm -hmm. we had to go across the tracks to really test our skill set. So one day my brother came up with the notion, hey man, we're gonna go across the tracks tomorrow. I was like, I don't know about that, bro. I was like, fuck it, all right, I got you. So we're getting there, we get to the tracks. <laughs> I bitched up. I was like, oh hell no. I'm not <laughs> going. There. I was right like, in get, front of you. I was getting ready to go off. He's like, come on, man. And I go, and then I said, no, nah, I'm not going. He goes, you fucking pussy. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm telling Dad. This is your idea. <laughs> and so he left. I, I he went and I went home. And I, I didn't really tell my dad or anything at the time. My mom, my mom. So he got there. He started sharing his experience with me later on in life. He said, man, you know what happened, man? I got there. He goes, they didn't even let me play for a while. He goes, finally, they let me get in the game. And he, my brother was giving people buckets. He's taking people to the baskets, hitting threes, making people look stupid. Cool. And he said the last game that they played, because uh, when you win, you keep the court. If you lose, you take your ass home. Right, right. So he's winning the whole time. Finally, uh, during this process, uh, he makes the last shot, makes somebody look stupid. All of a sudden, the guy swung, mm. missed him. My mm. brother took off running. He mm. said it was like a pack of wolves chasing him. And they were like, get that hunky. They were calling him all these names. Uh. And then somebody said, get Waterford. Well, somebody kick it, hit him in the back of the foot. He tumbles over. A guy gets on top of him, about to beat him down. And somebody said, get Waterford. And one of the guys said, wait, Waterford? He heard the last name because that's not a very common name. Mm -hmm. And so he said, hold up, hold up. So he came over to me and like, what's your mama's name? And he said, Betty Jean, where'd she work at? And my mom at the time decided that she was going to work at a high school in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And um, the area was a, it was a great area that she worked in. The school was um, a pretty affluent area, but they were busing kids in from the other parts of the, of the community. Mm -hmm. They came from, you know, some uh, underserved communities. They were busing them in. Yeah. So this one day, apparently this kid, he was in the lunchroom. He walked in. He saw an apple pie. He was like, shit. So he grabbed it. And one of the ladies, one of the white ladies, smacked his hand. She said, you don't get that. You get the free lunch. And my mom peeped this out. She saw that. And she was like, hold up, hold up. Mm -hmm. She was like, come here, young man. What's your name? And he had his head down. She goes, look at me when I talk to you. Mm -hmm. So he looked at her. She says, my name is Michael. What's your last name? He said, Riggins. 
He goes, you know what? My name is Betty Waterford. Matter of fact, anytime you come in here, if you want an apple pie, you take it. I'll pay for it. I'll take it out of my check. And so she wound up telling the uh, the other lady, she goes, let me tell you something. Don't, if he comes in here, I got this. Mm -hmm. So don't, you know, basically don't fuck with him. Right. So the, you know, the kid left or whatever. Every day she said, hey, Mrs. Waterford, how are you? Hey, Michael, how are you? How's your family? Got to know him a little bit. Well, who would have thought that years <laughs> later who thought that, that my mom may have saved my, bro my brother's life by, this, by the act of kindness? Just being kind. Because, I mean, they would have beat him down. You know how it is. One kid kicks yeah. you and another kid punches you. And they, oh, let me get him. And like some chicken shit, dude, mm -hmm. they'll jump on you because they're tough now because mm -hmm. he's already down. Right, right, right. He might have died. I mean, who knows? Mm -hmm. But my brother wound up going to uh, Stanford Medical School, became a cardiovascular surgeon. Then he went to the Mayo Clinic, um, worked there for a number of years. And one day he woke up and he said, dude, I'm done. I was like, what do you mean you're done? He goes, bro, everybody I help, they're rich and famous. I took the oath to help everybody, not just people who have. I want to help the have-nots as well. Mm. So he left and he went to American Samoa, which is U.S. territory, operated on like 83 people, never charged anybody. Then as he was kind of, you know, this solitude, this thing he was going through, he wound up getting a, uh, a letter to run a heart hospital in Hawaii. They gave him a seven-figure signing bonus. So and that was 30 years ago. You know, seven figures 30 years ago was a lot of 30 kids. years oh, ago, yeah. And now he's got offices everywhere because Hawaii was almost like a third world country. I mean, you go there, a lot of people don't realize it, but you know, you get sick, you, they're gonna fly you to another island and you might cancel Christmas. Like you mm -hmm. gotta, but now it's one of the better places to be wow. because he's one of the better cardiovascular surgeons in the nation. In the nation, yeah. yeah so I, I always believe that, you know, you plant a seed, it takes a while for the harvest to come. So this, you know, and if you're not planting good seeds, it's okay. Stop that shit. Do, start doing the right thing. Be kind to people. Mm -hmm. When you put that kind of energy out, you're going to get it back. It's just the way life works. Mm. So, yeah. So, uh, nah, yeah. you answered the question. <laughs> nah, you definitely answered the question. That's what you did. Like, you did I feel like, this is a therapy session for me. Yeah. Like, really definitely is. is. Feels like a therapy. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a consumer a lot, too. I, I got a question, though. It's like, I mean, you might have actually already said it, but I want to say is like, how do you measure your success? I don't. I really don't. Um, because I, I don't look at myself as successful. I'm a work in progress. Every day. Every day. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's always more that we can do. And it's, ne it's never about money. If you're thinking your success is related to money, mental health is a real thing. Yeah. That's what I'm getting you to. Know, and I've been dealing with some stuff myself that, you know, and I'm not afraid to say. I used to think that, like, a lot of my friends who, you know, because there's levels to this shit. When you get a lot of money and, you know, I, I got a little something, something. And, and I don't apologize for that. Yes, sir. And it's, you know, but that the people who have the most, they, they have people to help them sort out different things, like a therapist, they have a, a counselor. And I always say, I ain't getting no damn problem. I don't want nobody to know my damn problem. Man, I'm going to tell you my problem. agree. But you know what? It's like you go to the gym, you work out, right? And by the way, 70% of the way we look, it's not done in the gym, it's done in the kitchen. But you go, you go to the gym, <laughs> you work out, so you get your body right. Well, what about your mind? I mean, you got a nice body, but you got a fucked up mind. So what's the what's the deal? Right. Well, a lot of my friends, they see therapists, and they got this and that, and they sort stuff out, and they're able to function because there's no wealth without good health, mm. whether it's mental or physical. Mm -hmm. So you got to get your mind right because mm -hmm. everything else will follow. Mm -hmm. So just recently, I came up with this realization that you know I'm getting me a therapist, yeah, mm -hmm. only because I I want mental health. I want to be the best version of myself that I can be, Every whatever day. that is. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about success, yeah, I have all the ingredients, but so does everybody else. And, and to me, when I see people around me have prosperity and, you know, that, that means a, that means everything to me because there's only one race. It's the human race. People get caught up. Oh, he looks different or he has this political belief. Who gives a damn? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all in this shit together. We can all figure it out if we just 
you know, and I believe if enough people care, we can change anything. Definitely. It doesn't Agreed. matter what it is. Okay. So. Well, you value, I mean, the way, how you valued what you talked about your family, the last name, to, you don't hear Waterford often. Like, how important was that for you to make sure that you carried that on your back fully, you know what I mean? And Oh, man, that's everything. It is. That's everything. You know, it doesn't matter what your last name is, but, you know, when you, when you, go through this journey of what we call life, that's a brand. Like it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a brand and mm -hmm. you want to protect that brand. You don't want to do anything that's going to embarrass yourself, your family, that's going to embarrass God. You know, you want to just do the right thing. Right. You got to protect that name. So, and, and the cool thing is I have four sons. They all have, they're all water friends. You know, they all came from the same basket, the same mama. So right. like, you know, I'm lucky in that regard and I want to keep it that way. And our daughter has our last name now as well. So, awesome. yeah, so, I'm, you know, I got some soldiers out there that carry the torch. <laughs> gotta carry the torch. They say, they say uh, the guys that end up having uh, all boys was out there. Papa was a, was doing this thing back in the day. So how was you, was you treating the women good back in the day? I'm just saying, you, got, you popped out four legit boys now. You know, um, I, I've tried to always be a gentleman. Yes, sir. I'm lying my ass up. No, I'm joking. No, <laughs> I, I've always tried to be a gentleman. You know, there, there's, you know, I was young and dumb at one time, so there may have been some things that, you know, if I could do it all over again. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't change shit. <laughs> no. I keep it all the same. No. I actually but, have that written down, though, Phil. Uh, uh, if you could go back and tell young Phil uh, a piece of advice, what would that be, and I, what age would that be? Ooh, that's a good question. You know what I love about that question is, whenever I meet young people, because they're our future, I always want to tap in and be like, "Bro, let me tell you this, yeah. this, this, and this," because I don't want you to make the same mistakes. I've done the heavy lifting. Yes, I've mm -hmm. been through the shit. So let me tell you how you can really get, you know, come up and do well. And so. I don't know if I would change anything because I had to go through some shit for me to get to where I'm at. Correct. So if I didn't experience it, then I would never know. But, you know, I've experienced some things. And because of that, it's allowed me to have the clarity that I have and the roadmap of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And then from a spiritual standpoint, there's often times where I want to do me. I want to go this way. And the spirit tells me, no, 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 don't go that way. Go this way. And I don't really want to fight it. And I wound up listening to what the spirit says. And then when I look back at what would have happened if I went that way, it could have been catastrophic. Definitely. It could have been my demise. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so, but. Well, uh, I've read the book of Proverbs recently. My, my buddy, he's like, bro, read the book of Proverbs. And then they speak on the wise. Now you're speaking on the youth and like, listen to me because I know I've been through it. A lot of the youth don't want to do that. Like you for me, speak for me for myself. I, I remember my parents just tell me all the time, trust me, I did it. And I went the opposite route and did it. So like for you and your sons and your generations below you that you that are listening to you and even not listening, like do you have that challenge in itself when like talking to them? Like do you see where it's like, all right, bro, you, I've already tried to give you so many lessons and got to kind of just brush my hands with you type of ordeal or? Well, not really, because I got a lot of props. And what I mean by that is, you know, I got Rolls Royces. I got probably, I think <laughs> I got true, five true. Rolls Royces. I got right, seven right. Lamborghinis. Yes, I, got, I got some stuff. I got some heat. Right. Pulled up and, in one of them today, right. yo. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, when you see that, people look at you and they want to know, well, how did you get there? Mm -hmm. And that gives me an opportunity to, because everybody can have that. It's all what's important to you. No, I mean, I these cars really, at the end of the day, don't mean a goddamn thing to me. But, but it makes them listen a little But more. because I represent the king of all kings, the lord of all lords, the god of all gods, like, I'm not going to, I'm supposed to, do, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. So, and, and people know that I'll give back. It's not about me. I'm not some pompous guy who, look at me, look what I did, look what I got. 
at the end of the day, I don't give a damn about that. But that's just the the vessel that God has allowed me to use while I'm on this earth. Mm. And I'm going to use it. I'm going to enjoy it. I drive everything. I don't save nothing. Oh, you can't drive that. They're miles sensitive. I don't give a damn about that. I'm driving this bitch. <laughs> Talk about so I do that. That's yeah, what I do. So right. you know what I mean? Cause, and I let people know. And, and somehow that has a... They seem to want to listen a little bit more because they see what I got and how I got there. And, and then when I turn them on to something and I see their prosperity, the endorphins, what happens to your body, hmm. to me, it's almost like a, I just say it, like a total all-body orgasm. Like mm -hmm. for me to see other people have prosperity because they listened and they, they, they don't have to go down the journey that I went down, that's everything to me. That's, yeah. that's like one of the joys of waking up in the morning. Mm. You know, when I say every day I wake up and I look forward to having, uh, I have expectations that great things are going to happen. Yeah. A lot of times it's just hearing about somebody else's prosperity. Mm -hmm. I know it's their prosperity, but that, I take a piece of that. Yeah. And, you know, and I, that, that means everything to me because I love to see people prosper. I Definitely. love that, bro, because all the hate in the world. We got to have some people that have, like, have our backs, too. Like, yeah. want to hear our successes as well, yeah. you know? Got yeah. to. Well, what, would you, uh, what would you say has been your biggest life lesson you've learned so far or gone through? My biggest life lesson, um, I'd probably say just... Uh, Interacting with others in a way that, um, like there's this little boy who has a rare form of cancer. I met him many years ago. And I told him that doctors give the diagnosis, but God gives a prognosis. And I promised him he was going to get through this. I'm talking about Mason? Yeah. yeah. How do you know about Mason? I did my research, man. Like I yeah. said, I did my I research. I mean, this man. kid and, and uh, you know, through the grace of God, like some divine things have happened. The journey has been incredible. And... Um, I'm just gonna say it, and I've never really shared this with anybody, and I don't wanna get emotional about it, mm -hmm. but um, anytime there's a threat to modern medicine or the pharmaceutical world, strange things happen, because there's no money in the cure, there's only money in the treatment. Mm. And I embarked upon something that we've gifted to someone, we've gifted to Mason, I'm just gonna be real with it. Mm -hmm. And the cancer is already dissipating from his body, and um, he's going to live. He's not going to die. Wow. And everything that I said was going to happen, happened. And it's not because of me. I mean, there's a number of prayer warriors out there. But um, I play in a, a celebrity charity game every year. Mm -hmm. And I usually do what I do. Like I, I, first time I had an opportunity to play, and I was like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a regular <laughs> dude. Right. But, you know, when you look in Black Enterprise magazine, there's some things that I guess you can build me up into that celebrity. But I'm just a normal dude who's mm -hmm. trying to, you know, I'm well-preserved. And um, had an opportunity to play against Debo Samuel, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. I was giving these fools buckets. I mean, they're football players. Yeah. <laughs> I play basketball. Talk about shit, Phil. Talk about shit. No, I was doing my thing. And yeah. so, um, matter of fact, I was in the game once, and Mayweather caused a timeout because we were winning when I was in the game. I scored 14 points in nine minutes. I come out of the game, and I was done. I had nothing left. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the lead starts to slip. So the Mayweather calls a timeout. He's like, hey, you got to get back in the game. You're the only motherfucker out there doing that. Boy, <laughs> told you this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, damn. So I go, look, guys, I got this. We, we won't lose this game. But at the end of the game, I need each and every one of you to throw some shout outs to my guy who lives in Ripon, this mm. little blonde haired, blue eyed kid who's uh, like, I've been living vicariously through him. They're like, I got you, I got you. I go, look, they know that I go right. They have no idea that I can go left. And so watch this. So we'll, we want to win in the game. Afterwards, God. you can check it out, but each and every one of them, Rob Gronkowski, ah, Mayweather, uh, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, they all like through these special messages of words of encouragement. It was a beautiful thing. To me, that meant everything to yeah. me. So apparently it started populating all over social media and 
uh, about a year and a half before that, I had a Lamborghini Aventador that was on my showroom floor at my Ford dealership. Mm -hmm. And I um, didn't really have any room for it, so I parked it there. Some guy kept calling me for the car. And I kept telling him that, you know, I really didn't want to sell, but he was such a nice person that I was like, you know what? Okay, man, I got, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you a really good price. Here mm -hmm. you go. So I give him the price of the car, and he sees the value in it. He's another dealer, so I sold it to him wholesale. He buys the car. He asked me a question. He said, was the big service done on it? I assumed that it was because it came from a high net worth, high profile guy. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I just told him with confidence mm -hmm. that it was. He buys the car, sends me the money. Put it on a transport. He gets the car. My guy gets back from out of the country. I go, hey, you did the big service in that car, right? He goes, fuck, no, I didn't do that. I go, you didn't do it? I go, oh, shit. No. I go, he goes, I changed it. Oh, I go, bro, that's not the same thing. These cars are mild sensitive <laughs> yeah. and they're service sensitive. And I and he said, I go, oh, I felt horrible. Mm. So I called the guy. I was like, hey, listen, man, the big service was not done in the car. I misrepresented this car to you, and mm. I don't do that. If I tell you something, it's real. Mm. And I said, I'll do one of two things. I'll just give you, either give you all your money back and cover your transportation back. Or I've negotiated the big service in your market for about eight grand, and okay. I'll just cut you a check. So he gets real quiet. He goes, you know, Mr. Waterford, before I sent you that money, I'd never met you. He says, but I read some things about you. It has nothing to do with the car business, all these different things that you're involved in. He goes, but now I have my own testimony. Mm -hmm. I've never met an automobile dealer with this kind of integrity. Right. Yeah. Send me the money. So I sent him the money. Right. My office manager was pissed again. She's like, we're going to bleed on this deal. <laughs> I said, it's okay. You know, For at the end of the day. Doing the right thing is everything. Uh, I can sleep good at night because I know I did the right thing. I ain't got to worry about, oh, I screwed this guy over, I screwed that. Right. I got to look over my shoulder. You, you wouldn't have been able to sleep with yourself if you didn't call him. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. What I, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say, what I want to highlight, just when you hear about people coming up and all these successful individuals, you always hear like sometimes they got to burn a couple bridges or burn a couple people as they come up. But with you, you always make sure each bridge is always connected and you always try to give that helping hand as you're always uh, as you're always uh Go, moving Building. forward, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it is a story because, like he said, when he reads that about an individual, especially from a car dealership, they always want to get a quick buck no matter what. Yeah. So like, and at Ford dealership, when you're buying a Lambo, it's like you're really thinking that they just want to get a quick buck. So yeah. it's like, man, you. you it, you're uh, Jesus <laughs> yourself? Who are you? I don't know. Like, man, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, goodness. No, but yeah. So we, we, um, the, you know, the guy he. he Gives me these little accolades or whatever. We ship the car. Or we He gets the car. Everything's good. My office manager's a little disappointed because she said, we're going to lose money on this. End mm -hmm. of the day, we did the right thing. So a year and a half goes by. I never talked to this guy. We were done. All of a sudden, my phone's blowing up. I remember the name. I was like, why is this fool calling me? If this shit blew up, I ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> I didn't deal with what I was supposed no to do. Right? Yeah, we're good. You know what I'm saying? So finally, <laughs> he calls me up, and I answer the phone. He goes, who the hell is Mason? And I was like, Mason? I go, wow. how do you know Mason? And I go, well, first of all, he's a little boy I've been living vicariously through for years. I go, why, what's up? He goes, Phil, we could save him. I was like, save him? Mm. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, Phil, let me tell you what happened. He said, when I bought that damn car from you, I didn't realize that that car was one of one that year. I didn't know either. I mean, he came out, I didn't know. He said, and then <laughs> oh he said, God. COVID hit. So when COVID hit, he said, they were shutting him down because he's not in a, considered an essential service. He was just a small boutique that sold Highline cars, but he didn't have a parts department, a service department, a body shop, a mm -hmm. quick lane. We do. So we were able to stay in business and work by appointment only. Mm -hmm. So finally, he says... Um, he goes, yeah, so let me tell you what happened. He goes, this guy kept calling me on this car, and they shut him down, but he said he made an appointment. The guy comes in, he looks at it, and he says, man, he goes, I got to have this car. He goes, did you do the big service on it? He goes, shit, I did it? Because he goes, actually, you paid for it. <laughs> so I showed him a fresh receipt, and he bought the car. He goes, man, he goes, 
the guy gave me six figures more than what I gave. I bought the car from you for. I go, wait, you made a hundred grand? He goes, yeah. I was so happy for this guy. I was like, man, good for you. And he goes, but wait, that's just the start of it. He goes, after that, he said, this guy came in just before we were closed. And he goes, I was looking out the window to make sure the DMV wasn't watching me because I wasn't supposed to be open. The guy comes in. He was like, hey, listen, I've got stage four rectal cancer. I only have a week to live. You have a little car in your lot that I've always wanted to get for my wife. And um, it's a little BMW, and I, I, I want to get it for it before I pass. So the guy's like, oh, my God, absolutely. So he gives him a good deal on it, says a little prayer for him, reaches in his pocket, get, pulls out a $100 bill, gives it to him, says, hey, use this for gas or whatever. The guy leaves. Um, in the meantime, this guy's driving yeah. to the Mojave Desert. He's an hour and a half away from the dealership. There's tumbleweed blowing around. He, he uh, gets to the gas station, can't use the money that was gifted him, so he puts his credit card in, leaning up against the gas pump. Some guy comes up from the distance, and he goes, hey, Greg, how you doing? He goes, what? The f-? He goes, what? Greg, he goes, do I, do I know you? Who, who are you? I, how do you know my name? And then he, he's talking to me. He goes, well, he goes, no, no, you don't know me, but I know you. He was like, well, how do you know me? He goes, listen, I just want to give you a message. God wants me to tell you that you're going to get through this and that he's with you. He's like, what the? He goes, Go, what am I going through? Because he's like in disbelief, like, who is this fool mm-hmm. coming at me from nowhere mm-hmm. who ba- looks like he's borderline homeless? So he's having this conversation with him. He talks to him for 37 minutes. And what, he's just asking him all these questions. And the guy was feeding his spirit. Everything he was saying to him was just like giving him just, hope, just building him up. him up. So at the, at the, in the meantime, and I forgot to share this part of the story, the dealer, um, because they were shutting him down, he negotiated a deal with the state of California to start cleaning all the office buildings wow. in the greater uh, San Diego area. But he had to have a product that was biodegradable and met some EPA standards. Mm-hmm. So he hired a chemist to start making this stuff for him. And the chemist said, I got you. Well, the guy was taking a long time and he was getting pissed off at him. At the same time where this guy is talking, the customer is talking to I'll call him an angel at the gas station. The chemist shows up. He's like, hey, bro, I got everything you need. The dealer's <laughs> mad at him. He's like, bro, what the hell's been taking you so long? Story, I don't even know if I have a contract anymore. He goes, look, I'm sorry, dude. I've been working on something. He's like, well, what is it? He goes, man, my wife's really afraid. He goes, what is it? He goes, bro, I have a cure for cancer. He's like, man, get the fuck out of here. Cure for cancer. That's the dumbest shit anybody's ever. He goes, no, I have 70 people I've given this shit to. They're all cancer free. Oh, so right away, wow. he's thinking, wait, I just had a guy that left here. So he calls the guy. 40 times. The guy's not answering the phone because he's dealing with the angel. Keeps calling him, calling him. Finally, the guy ends his uh, experience with the, the, the angel, mm-hmm. so to speak. And he right. says, hey, do you, what can I do for you? The guy says, I don't need anything. All my needs are met. Well, can I do anything? Can I get you a sandwich? He goes, I guess I could use a sandwich. He reaches in the pot. All he had was a $100 bill. So he gives the guy a $100 bill, gets in the car, sees all these missed calls. He calls the dealer up. He goes, hey, is everything okay? He's like, bro, you're not going to believe what just happened. He's like, wait. You're not going to believe what just happened. They're trying to exchange stories about <laughs> right. Right. Connors. Right. So then he says, look, you got to get back here. I got something that's going to save your life. He's like, dude, I'm an hour and a half away. He goes, man, get your ass back here. I got something. He drives back an hour and a half. They give him this stuff. A week goes by. Mm-hmm. Guy had a week to live. He's feeling pretty good. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. 
I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Good, he's still alive. Mm. Two weeks go by, the guy's like, fuck, I feel great. Mm. Three weeks go by, the guy's like, hold up, before all this crazy shit happened, I used to ride my mountain bike. I'm riding my mountain bike today. 45 days later, he goes to the doctor. They do his scans. This shit shrinks tumors, gets rid of lesions, and it cleanses your blood. The guy is cancer-free, and the doctors are dumbfounded. They're like, look, we, we know we didn't misdiagnose you, but like, wow. what, what the hell are you doing? Right. And so, the, so anyway, this guy's telling me this story. I'm like, bro, why are you telling me this shit? I go, because I'll fuck you up. Like, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I work yeah. for money, but I'll die for a cause. Like, exactly. why, are you, why are you telling me this shit? Are you right. trying to get money from me? I'm like, what's your angle? He's like, bro, I've given this to 25 people myself. 24 of them are cancer-free. I go, what happened to the 25th person? He goes, they elected not to use it. Their doctor said, no, we're going to do the chemo. We're going to do the radiation. He goes, so they gave it back to me. I want to give it to you so you can overnight it to this kid. So he overnights the shit to me about wow. four months ago. Wow. I get it. And I go to Mason's house. And I didn't realize at the time that the cancer had spread all through Mason's body. It's in the stem of his spine. Oh, and the man. doctor said, you know, there's nothing else we can do. Prepare for the worst. Yes. I didn't know any of that. But that shit didn't matter because I just found something. And I promised him years ago he was going to get through this shit. Next thing you know, I get to Mason's house. And I'm on one. And I'm explaining every... I give him the four-hour story or better. Right. I'm not leaving. And I can literally see for the first time in my life the placebo effect kicks in. Well, that means if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. Because your mind can't distinguish between what's real and what's vividly imagined. Oh, whoa. So I saw Mason literally believing and like I could see the wheels turning like... Shit, I'm gonna live. Yeah. Like, damn, we're gonna be able to do this. We're gonna be. Able to, I, I, I saw it all unfolding in his mind and in his conversation, and that was a beautiful thing. So I give him everything I had. Tell him how to use it. I leave. A week goes by. Oh my god. And I'm thinking, damn. I keep getting this reel on my phone from social media. It was Will Smith and his son. They made a movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm -hmm. And there's a reel where he says, hey, Dad, did you hear about the guy that was in the ocean? He was drowning and a boat came to save him. And he says, oh, I don't need any help. God's going to save me. Well, this happens repeatedly. Well, the guy winds up drowning. He goes to heaven. And he says, God, I thought you said you were going to save me. And God says, look, you big dummy. I sent you three boats. Mm -hmm. So every time I hear the story, I laugh. But I kept thinking, why I keep getting that same message? Like, that means something to me. So I said, let me call his dad up. So I called Kyle up, Mason's dad. I go, Kyle, how's Mason doing? Well, you know, he had a stint in his urethra, and he's been in a lot of pain. He's trying to pass a kidney stone. I'm like, oh, fuck. I go, well, damn. I go, well, how's, uh, damn. I go, well, and I, I didn't know what to say to him. And I'm like, well, how's he responding to what we gave him? Like, Because that's not the, the, I checked every case study that I could, because I would mm -hmm. never give somebody something that's going to hurt them. Right. So I'm checking all these different case studies, and I'm like, I'm hearing like, no, remarkable result. This doesn't even mirror. Like he's there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. Like so then I go, well, how's he responding to everything? He gets real quiet. Mm, and he goes, Well, to be honest with you, we haven't given it to him yet. Oh, Bro, damn it. I lost my damn mind. Man. I said, yeah. What? I said, look, let me explain something to you. As I mentioned to you before, God's gift to us is life. What we do with our life is our gift back to God. But God gives us free will. We're not robots. We make choices every day. We can watch his demise and we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. I said, the doctors have already told you to prepare for the worst. You have nothing to lose, bro. Nothing. This shit works. Give it to him. So they give it to him. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to take at least 30 days to, to try to work out. His mom sends me a message a week later, ironically. And she says, Mr. Waterford, I don't know how to say this. 
I don't know if this shit kicked in already, but his WBC count, white blood cell count, increased to the normal range. Mm. His kidney function increased by 30 points, and something else is starting to uh, uh, normalize. She goes, do you think this is working already? I said, Monica, I said, buckle up. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wow. And just recently, I was in Dubai, and I came back from Dubai. I always send Mason. We're, we're connected spiritually in a way that, like, we're the same age. Like, we're just, it's just, I can't even explain it. Like, he's not a little kid. He's, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. our spirits, your spirit doesn't know. Like, it's, yeah. it's just a beautiful thing. And I always send him words of encouragement. He sent me a message back with his mom and dad, and basically they said, Phil, hey, listen, um, we were on the phone for 30 minutes, 45 minutes with the doctor and 30 minutes into the conversation because he had already had his scans. Uh, and, and we were like, okay, what are the damn results? And they said, oh, by the way, the necrosis or whatever that word is, is starting to come down and the cancer is starting to dissipate from his body. What are you guys doing? And he goes, man, it's almost like they're onto us because we haven't told them uh, what we're what's, what's yeah. really going on because you know I, there's a threat to, to stuff and the yeah. people who know too much and Agreed. I'm not trying to cancel Christmas although I ask God to keep a hedge of protection around me oh, I'm hey, at the man. stage now where I feel like you know what if we all have to be known for something you know, I mean, you know, usually when people go on to be with the Lord, oh, he was a loving, it's not that motherfucker, he was a piece of shit, mm-hmm. but he died. You know, they always they always put you in the best light. Mm-hmm. And you have the year you were born, then you have a dash. And that dash represents everything that you do in your lifetime, no matter what it is. And then there's the expiration date, the date the, when you pass. Well, for those, for those of us that can hear this podcast, we're working on our dash. Yes. So if you're doing some dumb shit or you're not where you want to be, guess what? You still have time because you have life. Life is everything. So you can get on that right track. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I want to know that I made an impact. That I, I was on this worth, earth for, you know, I was born in 1964. I'm working on my dash, but whatever year I expired, that I made a difference, mm-hmm. that I didn't just consume everything that I gave back. So I'm not afraid anymore. And what's crazy is the, the guy who was responsible for coming up with this. I'm gonna tell you what it is. There's this product. It's a uh, these mushrooms that come from high elevations of Asia. They're very rare. It takes thousands of them to make this little bit of powder. Then what you do is you take one teaspoon of this powder and then you take about essential water because it has a high pH. I'm not trying to plug <laughs> these foods. But even water is important that we drink the right type of water. I agree. And you take uh, four ounces of essential water, shake it up, drink it, this shit cleanses your blood, it gets rid of tumors, and it gets rid of lesions. Mm. And so oh, wow. with that being He's said, we, we convinced this doctor to go, this chemist to go in front of a forum of doctors to t- explain, you know, like, let's, let's, come, let's come forward with this mm-hmm. stuff. So he does it. They got these white coats on. He has all these case studies. He goes through everything of how, how it's working and what to do and how to get there. Next thing you know, the next day they said. Is somebody- it bad that I'm worried to hear the the sound of like this this side of the story? Because like just because I know how the world is, is like is it bad to have that I think I'm thinking bad right now? That makes sense. Well, you're yeah, you're I probably you like you're, you're pretty smart. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all know what you mean. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Go, ahead, go ahead. But but yeah, so he 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 shares with everybody what's going on. They hate. They said the next day they said somebody in the group had COVID, so they got everybody tested. He's in his 70s, but he's a young 70s, very active, good health. And they said, well, we're going to give everybody a shot to help you breeze through this stuff. So they give him a shot. Two days later, he ended up on a respirator and he died. Mm-hmm. So my guy calls me. He's like, bro, they fucking killed him. Mm-hmm. He goes, there ain't no way in hell that like, and his cause of death says COVID. <sighs> oh my God. I hate so this. My so guy my, goes, my, my guy goes to the warehouse where he was making this stuff 
took everything, the notes, the pop, everything he could, and you know wanted to give it to me. I'm like, hey, hold on, <laughs> right like, yeah. trying to come up I like that. This right now. Yeah. So oh, and, fuck. and and just recently, I was gonna really kind of share with everybody what was going on. And then all of a sudden, I had a purple Rolls Royce. I mean, I'm a Kings fan. I love the Kings, but I wanted to get rid of it. And some, uh, so I just found out how Mason's doing, how well he's doing. So I said, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. My next move is I'm going to start harvesting these mushrooms at lower elevations and so that I can control the cost and I'm going to make sure I'm never will charge anybody for this shit. I want to give it to people. If, yeah. Okay. And so, so that, that, that's my big deal, but you know, it's going to take some money to do that. And I'm fairly well capitalized. So I said, I'm going to do this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to identify all this inventory. I'm going to sell this shit, all the money from the proceeds of that. So I put this car online. Some guy calls up. He wants to buy the car. He talks to my sales manager and he's like, look, you probably should talk to the owner. So he connects him to me. I talk to the guy and he says, is there any wiggle room in the car? I go, look, this car is already well below market value. Mm -hmm. I said, but he, um, here's the deal. I said, for whatever it's worth, if this helps you make a, you know, a decision, I said, whatever the proceeds from this car is, I'm going to use it for humanity mm -hmm. and try to help others. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I go, well, you know, I can't tell people I have a cure for cancer. I don't have a cure for cancer. I know some, something that's working and it's not me. I'm not the scientist. I don't know about that oh shit. So I said, look, man, whatever we do to sell this car, I'm going to give the proceeds to help people that have cancer. It's something that we have. And I, I was very, very vague with it. He goes, Ooh, brother, be careful. Mm. He goes, my name is Mustafa. He said, I'm from Dubai. And he says, my nephew graduated from Harvard six months ago. And he said, just a few months ago, he said um, uh, he had a cure for cancer and he had all these notes. And he said uh, he was coming out of a movie theater and they shot and killed him. Yeah. And he said, but they gave the family $15 million. And they also, um, but they never tried to find out who the killer was. He goes, so be careful with that. You're saying, goes, yeah, bro, this shit is real. That's right. So, this is what you were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah. So he tells me, so then I start thinking, well, you know what? Maybe I should pump my brakes a little bit oh, and not be God, so out bro. there with it. But the cool thing is there's a billboard with Mason and I. It says, pray for Mason off the 120. Mm -hmm. And, you know, status is everything when you're a young person. So every time he sees that, when he goes to get his infusions and he goes to his doctor, uh, that does something for him. Mm -hmm. you know? bit in and so he, I told him, I said, just the other day, I said, hey, man, God gave me another spiritual download. I said, bro, this is what's going to happen. I said, I'm coming off the billboard. We're going to take it down. He was so disappointed. He goes, you're going to take it down? I go, yeah, but let me tell you what's going to happen. I said, I'm coming down. I said, you're going to go up by yourself. I said, so man, get your care did up. Yeah. What you got to do? Make sure you look fly. Yeah. I said, because what's going to happen is once you get your neck scans and you're cancer free, it's going to be you all by yourself and it's going to say cancer free. And we're going to give God all the praise and all the glory because that's where it belongs. Mm -hmm. And we're going to thank everybody for their prayers. So wow. he was like, oh, man, that's tight. So yeah, so when <laughs> On you that see, billboard. Yeah. So when you yeah. see the new billboard and you see him by yourself, by himself, and it says cancer-free, you kind of know the backstory now. Made it. Oh, Made it. oh my wow. God, Phil. No, it's that's been a amazing. long journey with him as well. It yeah. has. Yeah. It has. Yeah. It has. This, this is well, ooh, well coming, man. Well coming. Dude, this is crazy. I don't even know if I want to even go off my notebook no, know, right like, now, bro. Yeah, I kind of, we haven't even talked about cars in that way yet. We, we kind of have to a little bit. And it's like, Phil, the exotic car line, like... What made you even think to think that way to go, especially in Antica, like we talked about? Like, you don't really see too many exotic cars out here. What made that be your stint? Well, you know, being from Chicago, always having a passion for cars and really cool stuff and everything. I remember back in the day um, when Jaguar was like 
really like one mm-hmm. of the hottest cars on the planet. Ford Motor Company bought Jaguar. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave me a pass. I thought, well, you know what? If Ford owns it, then I should have a few. So I bought one for me, and then my wife wanted to drive it. And I'm like, damn. So <laughs> I let her drive it. Then, right. they, then I bought another one for me, and then they sold mine. Right, I sold hers. I had to dehorse her, and then I had to give her mine. And then I'm like, damn. So then I wound up buying five of them, okay. and they sold really quick. Then I bought 20 of them. And then I was selling more Jaguars, Land Rovers, and... Um, uh, and Volvos than all of the Jaguar Land Rover dealers combined wow. because I was selling them for a fraction of the cost. I believe, see, growing up in a financially challenged environment, we always paid more for goods and services than we should. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I experienced that today, and mm-hmm. it really pisses me off. But they, they see Phil, Phil has success in his life, I'm going to charge him a little more, basically, or something like that? Well, or? No, no, the opposite. The opposite? So what I'm saying is, in an underserved community, you pay more than you should for goods and services. Gotcha. And the quality of your food isn't as great. Mm-hmm. Do you know if you live in South Central Los Angeles or you live in Beverly Hills, they're only seven miles apart. The people who live in South Central um, and the people who live in Beverly Hills, you have a, like a 10 to 12 year life expectancy longer if you live in Beverly Hills. A lot of it is because the crime is lower, but then your, your food chain is completely different mm-hmm. and access to healthcare. So, what I was saying is that if you live in a, a financially challenged environment, you usually pay more than what you should for goods and I services, and you always you usually have less. Mm. So it's just so unfair. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I, as I shared with you today, I went to buy my essential water, and I paid yeah. $3 for that water, $3.29 for that little water. I'm mm. like, that, that's not what it costs. Yeah. I know what it costs. Exactly. And it was really pissed me off. You know. But my, my point is, I always said that if I ever became a dealer, that and I was you know, responsible for pricing and making sure that people get a good deal and a fair price, that anybody who looks anything like me or they come from an area that is, you know, underserved or, you know, the economics are quite different, I'm going to make sure there's parity. I don't care if you're the bank president or you're the bank janitor, everybody's going to get a fair price. As a matter of fact, (laughs) they interviewed me 20 years ago. I bought the dealership 30 years ago. So 20 years ago, they interviewed me about this and I shared with everybody and it was cool because I would have paid them to let everybody know, but we we started getting an influx of business from people who came from other areas that weren't necessarily affluent. Wow. They were getting a good deal, a fair price. They were getting approved. They were getting low interest rates. Mm. You know, because it's it's one thing to buy a car. You get, you negotiate that. You got to make sure you get the right amount of money for your trade in. That's mm-hmm. important. And then you also got to finance it. So a lot of us. When we get approved, we're like, damn, I got approved? Yeah. What's going to happen we got approved? We forget before we look at the interest rate. <laughs> you got to make sure you get a low interest rate. It all yeah. goes together. So we make sure that we're consistent. So anybody who looks anything like me, my guys already know. I don't play that shit. That's you type. give everybody a good deal and a fair price. If you're the bank janitor or you're the bank president, everybody gets a good deal and a fair price. And, and because we've done that, we've done a lot of volume. And then, you know, the reputation and the word got out, hey, this is what we do. You don't got to worry about them. They're, gonna, they're not going to fuck you over. They're going to give you a good deal. They're going to mm. give you a fair price. They're going to take care of you before, during, and after the sale, which is important. Yes, sir. You know, you got a problem. If it's bothering you, it's going to bother us. What can we do to help you solve your problem? Yes, so these are the things that are important that we've done and just basic principles that, you know, that we've done. That Having your exotic cars, what would you say would be the worst exotic car per, per, to purchase for any Maserati? Maserati. Maserati. You buy Maserati, you, you made a mistake. Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Why yeah. you say that? Like, what, what's more than likely going to happen to you if you buy it? Like, to happen to the car? Well, because my thing was, I hear Jaguars back in the days well, weren't the best sufficient car to own either. I was right? going to say Range Rovers. They say Range Rovers always. Yeah, well, that was back in the day. But you know, all these companies are striving for perfection. But, That's but, true. but Maserati still hasn't figured it out. I mean, the cars wow. are sexy, they look great, they do depreciate in value like 50%. Sheesh. The first mm. year you buy one, if you want to lose some money, buy, buy you money. one. Wow. 
it'll be worth half. Wow. If you want to lose some money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, wow. and you're going to have some mechanical things that they can't really figure out. I mean, they still have a lot of research to do. Okay. Um, Speaking on the average person to go into a, a car dealership, we the, we talk about it, and then even just within the friend group, financing and leasing. Is it which is better? What should you do for an average person walking in and, and dealing with this car market today? Well, there's two things. One, depending on the interest rate, if you can get zero percent financing, you always buy because that's okay. free money. That means that you take the amount you're financing, you divide it by the term of the loan. So let's say you're going to go sixty months. Mm -hmm. So take the the balance times sixty. That's your monthly payment. Mm -hmm. Or divided by say that's your monthly payment. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, there's no interest. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. When you lease, there's a money factor, there's a residual value. Leasing is kind of the opposite of purchasing. Mm -hmm. Usually you put little or no money down, you have a lower monthly payment, but you can only drive a certain amount of mileage. Mm -hmm. um, and if not, then you pay a, a you know you pay a penalty because you've gone over it. But I hear the leasing route is smarter now, for in a in, way, if you know how to use it, right? In, in most cases it is, but in this day and age, because the rates are so high, the money factors are high, so lease rates are horrible right, right. now. Thank so you. to lease a car right now would be, it would be pretty challenging. You can't lease a Rolls Royce, can you? Actually, you can. Oh, you can. Yeah, okay, a lot of people do. But, but yeah, you can lease a lot of the highline cars. People lease. Yeah. But then a lot of people buy them too. So it's um, <laughs> a, a lot of it is again, it's it's the price of the car. What is the interest rate? You know, um, obviously your down payment will help that. Your personal credit mm -hmm. will allow you to get whatever rate you can. But then the relationship that you have with the dealership and that they have with the lender. Because we have a lot of lenders that we they fight for low rates and we fight for that for you. Mm. So, like lender meaning the, the Patelcos or like yeah, things the, like right, that? Banks, <laughs> credit the, the, the banks, credit unions, yeah, yep. yeah. Credit unions typically give lower rates than a lot of the banks because they're not mandated by the uh, the federal government. Okay. So they can, they can you usually get a lower rate if you're able to go to a credit union. Okay. So, you know, protecting your credit is everything. Just, um, you know, you don't want to get overextended. Because to me, there's no glory in saying, hey, we got them approved, but they got this highest payment. They're only going to be able to afford it for a month or two. With, mm -hmm. with, with, they got to pay for four years. Like, that's not just one month. That's 48 payments. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to put somebody in a hardship like that. So to me, you know, we make sure that everybody wins. They get a good deal, a fair price. We pray that our needs are met. But And then we get a lot of repeat business and a lot of referrals. And that's important. Mm -hmm. Because if you have, I told people years ago, when I first bought the dealership, I'll never forget this. I bought the dealership. I got everybody together. And I said, if you have a sheep and you kill a sheep, how many times do you get? They're like, what the fuck is this fool talking about killing sheep? I said, well, check it out. Times. You get wool one time. But if you take care of a sheep, you get wool all the time. Mm. I say, with all due respect, our customers aren't sheep. But if you rip them off and you give them a bad deal, you're never going to do business with them again. True but if you take care of them before, during, and after the sale, guess what? And you have a relationship. Every time they want a car or need a car, who are they going to come to? Mm -hmm. You're their guy. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, our, we're the guy for many people because that's the way we do business. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, just for a little, uh, I got to get this one off my chest. What's the? And it can be anything. It can be people, person, something tangible, whatever. Um What's the worst investment that you've ever made? Hmm. That's a great way to put it, too. That's why I was like. That's a great way to put it. The worst investment. Well, it all depends on if we're talking financial or talking about, uh, you know, I think we've all put good money after bad. I've done that. I've been, you know, unfortunately, I've done that before. But, um that's a really good question. Yeah, I applaud you on that question. I've, <laughs> I've never really thought about that. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, I kind of stay in my lane. 
Like, I don't know anything about Bitcoin. That's not my world. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of people, hey, you know, you should do this, do that. Oh, okay, that's cool. But no, I, I, I don't really do that. Yeah. I just uh, I just bought 9.3 acres of frontage property in Las Vegas between Buffalo and Durango. We and, talked about that off air, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, and I'm going to build something really significant. I want to build the largest um, something or another in the country. So right now I'm interviewing manufacturers that I want to represent and that need representation. Yes, sir. So, yeah. All right. I hope Look somebody's listening that. to that right Look now. Please. Yeah, sure. yeah. Phil's got so, some things cooking. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, but that's a that's a really good question. I just again I try to stay in my lane and and um, you I know. mean I'll give you my number if you come up with it just text me. I just want to know. I'll plug <laughs> it in. Yeah, I'm gonna think about that all day. What's the worst investment that I made? Anything like I love I, investing in people, so it wouldn't be people. Okay, cars. I do this in my sleep. Um, I don't buy Maseratis. <laughs> or if I do, I buy them for a fraction of the cost, but I extend yeah. that to whoever buys them. And there I give them, hey, it comes with a disclaimer, bro. It looks great, but this motherfucker will break down. I needed to hear that. I needed to you hear that. You should buy two, because when this one breaks down, you got a backup. I love it, Phil. Um, the experiences, it. and then and speaking in that kind of just, just stem off of it, your confidence comes from somewhere. When is that the experience that you feel helps shape your confidence? Uh, definitely goal setting and goal achieving. Okay. So as a, as a young man being a, an athlete um, and, um, you know, I always had an indifference with a basketball coach, a football coach. They didn't want to play me. And I knew I was better. In my mind, I was better than everybody else and that kind of stuff. Well, then I got involved in an individual sport, which was track. Hmm. And because, like, if I lose, it ain't his fault. No, it's yours. You know, it's my fault. Like, he was faster than me. And so, mm -hmm. you know. That was the litmus test to see, like, you know, like, put my money where my mouth is. Like, I'm talking all this stuff. Let's see what you got. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, um, track kind of helped that. I had a coach that always told me to write down whatever my goal was, the time that I wanted to beat, to sort of speak. Mm -hmm. And I would write it down. He would say, make it something that's fairly easy. So then once you – and then you, what you do is you write it on an index card Maybe put on your mirror so every day you brush your teeth. For those of you who brush your teeth, but anyway, <laughs> you brush your teeth and you, you know you're taking care of business in the morning. Your hygiene. Can't do that some pretty whites in your day. Hey, 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 I see that. No. You signed it. <laughs> so, you know, so every day it's a constant reminder of what's important to you. Mm -hmm. So then you know you start working on that, and then once you achieve that goal, then you then you make a greater goal, then you make another greater goal. Well, at at that point, when you start doing that, you're like, damn, I could do anything mm -hmm. because yeah. it's just you start small and you set bigger goals. Well, there's not a whole lot that I don't think I can't do, mm -hmm. especially because your mind can't distinguish between what's real and what's vividly imagined. Mm -hmm. So if you can believe it, you can achieve it. Your mind is powerful. That's why I say mental health is a real thing. You know, some people just lose hope. And hope is everything. You got to have a vision. You got to have something to look forward to. So you get your mind right, and you set goals, and you achieve them, and you you keep building upon it. And the next thing you know, it's like, bro, you you become somebody. You become the best version of yourself. Yeah. So with that being said, um, matter of fact, in high school, I, you know, I um, I lost. I, I went downstate my junior and senior year. Um, one of the few people from my high school that went downstate and um, wound up placing, and. What was cool is when I lost the 400-meter dash, I lost by about this much. Mm -hmm. And what I did differently is just before the race, somebody came to me because I was kind of unsure. Like I was second-guessing myself. I was nervous. And I'm like, these guys are you know, nationally ranked. And, right. you know, um, so I take off. And they say, hey, what you should do is take off slow because it's one time around the track as fast as you can. They said, take off a little slower. That way you have some energy left. I never did that. When I used to run the 400, I would run it like from the. I would run it like a Start sprint. Wow, and, but I was, you know, I came up 
um, Victoria's Seat most of the time. Right, yeah. Downstate, I switched it up in the final heat. I, I took off a little slower, I let everybody get ahead of me. And then I started, so then I got to the 200 meter mark and I was gone, I was mm -hmm. gone. And I had so much gas in this tank and when I lost, I lost by that much. I think about that all the time, how if I just did it my way, mm. I would have won that. I know I should have won state. Damn. And so now when I, when I do things in life, I mean, I listen to people, but at the end of the day, I do it my way because I listened to what somebody else told me to do and I came up short. So I just, I can't do that no more. Damn. I gotta, I gotta do what I do. I think do. that's Confidence that life lesson right there. Yeah. I think that might be that life lesson. Yeah, yeah. Goodness gracious. I mean, that's the confidence you got to have in yourself because like that's yeah. that little bit can be your, uh, yeah. look back at it and yeah. thinking now, man, oh man. That's... But, but you know, that setback was really just a setup for me because, because when I reflect back on that and I remember that, it does something for me in terms of, you know, you make a mistake, you learn from it, mm. you know? And so I learned from that mistake. Yes, sir. So got to go through those life experiences, man. Got, got to. to. Got to. Got to. Where we at, man? 125, oh. man. Bro, we, that breeze by. Bro, like I said, lie. Regardless of what happens, like I said, we are going to end up wrapping up here soon. We have to, G. And I'm saying this on air. We have to go do more content with Phil. Like, whether it be pull up on them in the dealership, go see what he's doing. This man does a lot of stuff, bro. I feel like, yeah, we just got to be in Manteca. <laughs> no, if for that, sure. But you do a lot, man. You do a lot. Not just for what work, but a lot for other people. A lot for, um, you can say, the NBA teams are what you're working with as well, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Player development and all that and managing people managing players and stuff like bro i don't know how you do it bro you, you got me tired well <laughs> well it's uh it's it's a it's a good energy to have like you know i don't really get tired i just i look forward to it um mm -hmm. it's something that when you really love something you're not working mm -hmm. like i'm I, I don't really work i mean I, I, there's things that i do but i don't work because i love what i do mm -hmm. it's kind of funny i have a son that um i have four sons and um, you know, they've all done very well in life. And one of my sons played pro basketball for a while, and then he played overseas. And then, you know, he's in his early 30s. And um, one day he came and he had a, worked for two major companies and created a lot of value because it's about relationships as well. Mm -hmm. So once he uh, graduated and, um, you know, had this high-paying job, they gave him two retirement parties from two separate companies. I'm like, how do you, what do you mean you retire? Nigga, you're 30 years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck you, retire. Right. That's lit. And he says, well, Dad, you know, I bought, like, 16, 17 homes. I go, yeah, what's, what's up with that? He goes, well, a lot of them are Airbnbs and they have a very high occupancy, uh, like they're 85% of the time they're, they're, they're booked. And then he said, some of them are long-term rentals. And he said, my first house I bought, I, I wound up selling it and I think I made $100,000. So I put bought four more homes and I put 25,000 on each one. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he had this whole thing. He goes, so, you know, I make six figures a month. I go, wait, wait, what the fuck? Go, Nigga, what? You make how much? You what? make six figures a month? Sheesh. And he, I, and he was explaining to me, well, yeah, you know, the income from this and that. Then he does some stuff with, I don't know if it's uh, Amazon or eBay or whatever, but he, he developed e some product that they rebranded and then they sell it. Oh. It's like, he don't get out the bed if you don't mm, want to. Yeah. I'm like, how are you making all this money? He goes, well, he goes, Dad, the difference is I didn't love what I did. He goes, but I had a plan and it worked. He goes, you love what you do. Because, mm. see, I could never retire because I love what I do. Say that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I could never retire. Damn, that's a great way of putting that, yeah. that right now because that's like a battle I'm having in my life. It was like, do I have to love what I do or do I put up and choose to love what I do? 
That makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's a great way you just put it right now. Yeah. You got to figure it out, though, too. Yeah, and you know, as a dad, I, I just, I told them that, look, guys, I want you all to love the Lord, make good choices, and be self-sufficient, because I ain't taking none, taking care of none of y'all. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> that's so, lit. But they're, they're figuring lit. it out. And as a dad, you know, to live vicariously through your kids and to see them have success and to see them be good people, that's everything, mm-hmm. you know, because we all live vicariously through someone. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're a parent, you you get it. If you're not, you will be at some point. You you get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know. Jonah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I was, <laughs> no hope for me right now. <laughs> I, was I, saying, I don't know. If Jonah ever go. <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna see though. Man, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm maxed out too. I actually, like you said, it's really like a therapy session, a, a positive therapy session. Yeah, like I learned a lot. Yeah, because right I mean, we can go into the. I, I laughed because of how you said the the investment thing. When I type in Phil Waterford on Google, it types in net worth first. I'm like, oh, that's how you know Phil getting some. Look at it. Yeah, yeah look, Phil getting hey, some you, money you, with you, network. Please tell me you got oh, that network. Let me make something really clear. I ain't got no money. But I got, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I got real good credit though. Yeah, okay, that goes a long way. That's cool. Real quick, just advice on that. Like from myself where I'm at in my life I'm 26 I have great credit I would say from where I'm at and then also just building the capital how do I go forward and advice to a person my age using the leverage of my credit to move on and keep keep going forward in life you know what I mean does that make sense well find out what you're passionate about Um, it's okay to take some risk Mm -hmm. but take a calculated risk, something that you know you, that you've done some research. Okay. Um, capital could be a great thing. You know, money is a could be a uh, could be a blessing, but could also be a curse. So you know, got to be careful with what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Mm. You know, because um, you get caught up in stuff. You that's know, true. I'm 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 using this money, but this is what it's doing, and you know, maybe it's something that's a little colorful that you really shouldn't be involved with, but it's equitable. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure at the end of the day, you're doing the right thing and that you're associating yourself with good people. Mm-hmm. And that's everything. I met a guy years ago. Find your tribe. It's kind of funny. He, um, you know, when I go to the auctions to buy cars, I'm the guy, I can buy anything I want. It don't matter what it is. And I raise my hand and as a professional courtesy, a lot of people, when they see me bidding, they won't bid against me because they know I'm going to end up with it anyway. So why do that? And if I see them doing that, there's something about body language when you're at an auction. So for instance, the car's going through the lane and, you know, you see a guy bidding on it and he's real, you know, he, he wants the car, he's raising his hand, he's winking, he's doing whatever he needs to do. Right. So what would happen is... Um, uh, if I wanted something, you know, I'm going to buy it. But then sometimes guys would get pissed off. Like, oh, this guy's buying everything. I get like, I don't know if it's jealous or whatever. Well, then you can tell if somebody starts to rock back and forth, you probably got one more bid they're going to get. Mm. And so, but me, I'm cooling the other side of the pillow. Like, you yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. From start to finish, I may be bidding. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm ghost. They're like, where'd he go? <laughs> yeah. So a couple of times I go to the auctions, people will be bidding against me. I know they didn't want this car. They probably couldn't even afford it, but they're bidding against me because they're fucking with me. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, so they bid against me. Next thing you know, I would see what's going on. And boom, I'm gone. They're they like, oh, a... shit, where do you... Nah, so they took it to the other guy. Then they would come over to me and say, hey, hey, excuse me. He said, hey, hey, did you need that? I, no, bro, you needed it more than I did. Mm. No, no, no. They usually work for somebody. I own my store. So I, we all have to answer to somebody. Mm-hmm. But they got to answer to the owner. Why did you just buy this dumbass car and pay off the money? <laughs> you in trouble. They might lose their job. Yeah. Me, okay, that was a dumb thing I did. So this one particular time, there was this guy who was just like me. We could buy whatever. We used to go at it. like Because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I got this. Like, you know, I'm stronger than you, I could, whatever. We go at it, go at it. Next thing you know, uh, one day we came together and we said, bro, why are we doing this? We're making somebody a lot of money. You know, why don't we just, if you really want it, you take it. If I need it, you know, let me have it. And we'll work together. So (laughs) we we decided to do that one day. And then we went to lunch, got to know him a little bit, father and son combination. Well, this one day I get to the auction and the uh, 
I'm buying everything. And I see the dad, he's like, he's sleeping. Like, he's just not on his job, right? So I look over at the son. He's over in the cut. He's like all upset. I go, hey, what's going on? He goes, this is my dad. He goes, man, he goes, I think he's having a medical emergency. Every time I try to talk to him, he's yelling at me. And I was like, really? So I walk up to him. And I go, bro, what's up? So he was like, hey, whatever. He was just like, he was out of it. So I said, oh, fuck. I said, bro, go get your car, pull it around. We're taking him to the doctor right now. So mm -hmm. I pick up this little dude. Who's Little guy, a little carnival looking motherfucker. <laughs> so I pick him up. I we we get him in the car. The officer knows I'm a good person. I'm not gonna I'm not trying to Right. And I got his son with me. So we get him in the car, we take him to the hospital, he gets there, and sure enough, he had a controlled substance in his system. Mm -hmm. And it was something that you're not supposed to do casually. I don't know if it was oxy it was something that you just don't do. I mean right. you have access to it, but you don't you know, yeah, too much of anything is not good. Right. So they, he was taking too much of whatever it was. And so they got it sorted out and got him the right regimen of what he needed. So in the meantime, I was like, how did he get that shit? And they're like, oh, one of his managers at one of his dealerships is giving it to him. I go, really? So I pick up the phone and I go, what's his name? So I call a guy up and I say, hey, listen, uh, you know, this is Mr. Waterford. I said, hey, you know, um, I'm here in the hospital mm -hmm. and I'm with my really good friend. And I just want to let you know something. If anything happens to him, I said, you're going to have a really bad day. Mm. And he was like, what? Yeah. And I, he goes, are you threatening me? And I said, I'm letting you know. I will fuck you up. If right. something happens to him, I'm like, the same thing that happens to him is going to happen to you. So, yeah. I just want you to know that. So his son's like, oh, no, this guy's a crazy guy. I'm crazy, too. Like, you yeah. might not know that. Like, I'm crazy <laughs> I'm as crazy fuck. Too. So I'm like, you know, so then it got to the point where we, it, it, I felt like in the movie Scarface where he's yelling at somebody and the phone's flipping up. I was so heated. I hung up the phone and said, hey, where is this damn dealership? I'm going to fly in there. I'm going to knock his ass out. I'm going to get back on the plane and I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, or fortunately for him, I had to fly into an area and then I had to drive two hours. And it was mm -hmm. just like, Too so they, he got a pass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, through the grace of God, my friend got through this challenge that he was going through. So about a year later, he calls me up. He's like, man, I really need you to come out here. I'm kind of going through stuff. I'm like, bro, what do you need? So I get out there and I'm like, what's up? So he says, man, he goes, you know, I got millions. I got millions. I go, okay, I get it. Like, so do I, motherfucker. Like, what's up? <laughs> he was like, well, no. He goes, you know, this money, it could really be, I have a son and he's my only successor. And this money could be a blessing, but it could really be a curse. He goes, I want to make you the executor of my estate. I go, what the fuck? What go, the Dude, I can't do that shit. I go, you may fuck around and come up short. I'm from Chicago. Like, why do you want me to do that? He goes, right. nope. He goes, you know, integrity is something that's measured when no one else is looking. And I see how you roll. I've seen you when nobody's looking, how you act. It's no different. Mm -hmm. Like you, who you say you are. And he goes, and I trust you, and I'm not having it any way. And I was like, bro, I tried my best to talk him out of this shit. Because mm -hmm. I'm not that smart. I don't know how to manage right. like millions like that. Yeah. When I say millions, he's got probably $100 million or better. <laughs> and he wants me to oversee that, God forbid, if something happens to him. So it's kind of an honor to know that Definitely. somebody would view you mm -hmm. in that that light but you know then there's some pressure too associated with it because i really don't know like how to handle that kind of stuff no yeah. you know there's levels to everything so that's you yourself phil you are definitely a prophet who you are yeah, you your like, goodness gracious on your morals man that's well one i appreciate thing I your kind of words but you know i'm just just like everybody else man trying to get through this so i'm no different i'm not special I'm not cool. I'm kind of cool. You are kind of cool. Kind of cool. I'm not sure cool. what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, we appreciate you for coming through, man. For well, real. I appreciate you, you blessed the You blessed the studio today. I ain't going to lie. Mm -hmm. You really did. If you guys made it this far, make sure you follow, like, comment, subscribe. Make sure you go follow Phil. Where can they find you at on Instagram all that? This is Phil Waterford. Phil Waterford. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, go call in on the Ford dealership if you want to talk to him. You know, yeah. we got to talk to him. Who's your sales manager? You mentioned in your life. Well, my son. Your, your son Phil is, your... is now my sales manager. Okay, and nice. And then there's also Jeff as well. So, okay. Yeah, I got a great team and 
Yeah, you know, the biggest asset that we have, it's not the product, it's not the facility, it's the people. I got some great people that I work with, and, you know, I'm blessed to have them, and, and they I, make it I, happen. I, I kind of want to go work over there, bro, to be honest. Like I mean, now I know where I want to go. For good people. <laughs> so come for good people. Hell yeah, Definitely man. need a car in the future, though, so. Man, you already know, bro. We appreciate y'all for tuning in. G, this was a fun one, man. Signing out this thing, y'all. It's your boy, JG, y'all. You already know it's Jay Jonah. And we got... Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Signing yeah. out. It's blowing smoke. <laughs> Go get y'all a car.